Hey everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So you may recognize the person to my side here. I'm not going to say left or right because I honestly don't know until I've edited the video down which side he is. So um, to my side you will see Mindset by Dave is once again with us. Um, joined us previously talking about um, eating disorders and things like that when he was previously on the podcast. Has been a little bit um, of time. But as we're going into new season of these podcasts, we thought we'd bring back someone that you all know and that I know that we can talk relatively open about and get onto different subjects as well. But we have got a slightly different base for things for um, people coming back, which we will get onto in a minute. But um, how are you doing, Dave? I'm doing really good today. And you might notice I'm, I'm dressed up in my actual logoed up things because I've been out in the real world talking to three dimensional people with actual faces and reactions. And, you know, for the first first time in two years, I can finally find out which ones of my jokes actually work and which ones actually tank. So uh, it's been it's been a very enjoyable day so far. And I'm also always glad to speak to you. So. You're one of the few people that will say that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in fairness, uh, you're, you're doing it because you're you're advertising and showing yourself. I wear my my um, branded clothes just because I haven't done the wash. So, I mean, you're doing, <laughs> doing one up on me. Um, I haven't even got the newer versions of my own logo. I can't be asked to buy it. So um, any of the rest of you that have my old logos, well done. Um, so as some of you may have seen my, um, my tweets and updates on this, um, basically with any of my um, old podcast guests, anyone coming back, we're going to change it a little bit differently and we're going to be introducing the idea of asking for and yes alan davis if you're watching this yes i did steal it from you um we're going to be asking one book one um tv show or show in general you know around that film whatever like that and one song that's either had a massive impact on you or something that you just you know you think about daily or you know it's one of those songs that either makes you just sit down and just kind of go oh my god or cry or whatever it might be so um that's kind of where we're going from and then we get into a discussion around those individual things or just in general, as um, most of you will know, that's how I like to run podcasts because I don't like the idea of having scripted podcasts because what's the point? <laughs> so on that note, um, do you have a specific song that's, and also if you tell us a song and then also in what way it's important, like, is it, is it important? Is it just one that you and your wife first danced to or something like that? Yeah, to be fair, the song was the hardest one to narrow down. The song was the first one that had multiple in the um in in you know in the shortlist. And then it was like how to narrow this down. And um I think what I actually did narrow it down to, a, a very close friend of both of our channels, uh, the lovely Lindsay, will be very happy with what I arrived on. Um I really feel like leaving a like come back after these messages after I've said that just for <laughs> Lindsay. But um yeah. I arrived on Machines by Biffy Clyro. Okay. And I don't know this song, so okay. <laughs> okay, so um so basically the um Machines by Biffy Clyro, it's uh, the the main chorus part to it is I've started falling apart, I'm not savoring life, I've forgotten how good it can feel to be alive. Wow. Um but like I literally kind of sat down and thought that every lyric in the whole song kind of means something to me, like you know, it's a 
it's in a lot of Biffy Clyro songs, sometimes you feel like, you know, there's this bit, he's like, what's, he's got Gilligan's eyes, what does that even mean? But um, it starts off with, I would dig a thousand holes just to lay next to you. And, and obviously Simon's very thick Scottish. Like, I would dig a thousand holes. <laughs> it's like, and, um, I, and I would dig a thousand more if you needed to, you know, and it's like, and basically it's that idea of, it's that idea of sitting and being with someone in their depression rather than, rather than here's a rope, you know, here's like a ladder, come up to me. It's like, no, I'm actually going to get down in the dirt with you and I'd do it a thousand times if I needed to and I'd do it a thousand more. And like, is that idea of not being a burden to somebody, you know, you often feel with mental health that like people only value or want you when you're kind of up in the clouds with them. But when you're down in the dirt, it's like you feel like you're a burden to everybody else. Um but the main, I think, part of it um, was that whole thing that it, this, the, I can't remember the ex- exactly when it was released. I should have looked this up, but I, I feel like it was around. And again, if I, if I didn't say this last time we were on the podcast, but I'm pretty certain I did. So anyone who's heard me before will know that 12 years ago, I made an attempt on my own life. Um, if you didn't already know that, you do now. I've just trauma dumped. <laughs> but um, you know, let's not get into trauma dumping. <laughs> let's not get there's into no such, so for anyone out there there's no such fucking thing as trauma dumping <laughs> and we both and agree twitch, on that and the twitch user that ever says it fuck off and don't use the mental health hashtag <laughs> <laughs> so uh, weirdly i was thinking about that earlier i was like i wonder if people think because unsol- it's supposed to be unsolicited you know sharing of a story i don't sit there and ask my audience for permission to share my story every single time it's like it's my channel i'm going to share what i want to share um but yeah, so I, I, it was, it was around about that time, and that idea of that, you know, I've started falling apart. I'm not savoring life. I've forgotten how good it can feel to be alive. It's like, it's not seeing. It's called anhedonia in the clinical term. You know, you don't see the pleasure in things that you formerly saw the pleasure in. But the other part of it is, um, there's a repeating mantra that kind of comes out after the second sort of bridge, which is take the pieces and build them skyward. And um, I think it's just a really important thing to remember again because. I'll, you know, I've just said someone handing you a rope or maybe someone handing you a ladder and a ladder is probably a more, a ladder is probably a more kind of appropriate and metaphor really, because to actually get out from the depths, a rope's just this one long thing with like, with, you know, with no real obvious kind of, you know, changes to it. Whereas a ladder is lots of small, simple steps and taking the idea of taking the pieces and building them skywards. It's like, look, I might only have pieces left of my life right now. And this theme is going to really come back when we get to the film, by the way, <laughs> is the idea of, okay, my life is in pieces right now, but if I take these pieces, they still all add up to something. Mm-hmm. And from that position, I can begin to get out of this. And, um, you know, the other, again, beginning of the second verse, it's uh, crazy as you've, crazy as it sounds, you know, I know, um, crazy as it sounds, you know, that you won't wait a crazy as it sounds. Ah, I've forgotten it. You'll never, it basically says you won't feel as low as you feel right now. At least that's what I've been told by everyone. And though, you know, we both know having suffered from depression that you may feel as low as it again, but we also know that wherever you feel right now, you're not always going to feel that low. You know, not always going to feel that thing. And again, this too shall pass. It's, um, I just feel like literally there's not a, there's not a bad line in the whole song. Because uh, the follow-up line to that is, I look around this grave for an escape route for old routines that doesn't seem to be any other way. And it's like, you know, looking around this grave, looking around, like, escape route from old routines, thinking about 
things that you've been through thinking about the old routines that you've done time and time again that possibly may have contributed I don't want to say they've got you there but they certainly contributed towards getting there um and then the final line before it goes into the take the pieces and build it skywards is um is I whisper empty sounds in your ear and hope that you won't let go and I've literally just got shivers thinking about the line now because so much you you know we've both done it a million times within our own communities it's like sometimes what we're saying we've got all the meanings to it but to the person that we've rendered it's just it sounds like it sounds like uh, like platitudes it sounds like they don't accept it and it feels like an empty sound until obviously they accept that you know you do 100% mean this and sometimes you're repeating yourself you're telling people the same thing over and over again and it can begin to lose its meaning um but that but every single time we say it it might feel like an empty sound but we just hope that that person doesn't let go yeah yeah i mean it's it is one of those things that you do say because um i mean this is actually um if anyone wants to go and watch um my normal channel after the challenge mh um there is um, a video i'm about to do on on the idea of the fact that you only ever see what you already expected to see mm. you don't you don't take on board so if you, you make a comment about your own depression and it doesn't matter what me um, or you or anybody else might say You've already decided what we were going to say. And so that's what you hear, no matter what we say. Yeah. And then you hear back the words and you're like, that's not what I just told you. And they're like, but it's what I heard. And it's like, and that's the problem. That's what we need to get past at this at this stage. It is very difficult. I mean, I've got a, um, a quote that actually I've used a few times um, that talks about um, anhedonia. And um, I can't remember because I've never been able to find exactly who said this line. But it's one I use a lot because it's it's very true. And it's. Depression steals away whoever you were, prevents you from seeing who you might be, and replaces your life with a black hole. Nothing human beings value matters anymore. Music, laughter, love, sex, children, toasted bagels, and the Sunday New York Times, because nothing can reach the person trapped in the void. Suicide sounds terrific, but much too difficult to plan and complete. And I think for a lot of people, that is, that is kind of getting to the, the, the point of it, that you get stuck and I think people don't realize what depression can do because people hear depression and depression is, oh, you mean you're down. And yeah, as I've said on various places before, my default um, emotions, despite what I may show when I need camera, my default um, emotions are anger and upset, especially since I lost my wife. Those are my default you know, settings for things. So it, it takes me a lot to not just punch someone that says stupid shit like that. But it is what everyone thinks, you know, oh, you're depressed. You mean you're down. And it's like, yeah. That is not what depression means. You can be as happy, as outwardly happy as anybody you've ever known and inside still wanting to die. Robin Williams being the obvious person to think about there, who yeah, yeah. himself would have told you, I'm sure that he was happy at many times. And that's why there's so many people that don't like to admit that it's depression, including his wife. Everybody else pretty much has, even you know, other people around him have, have said it, but she still wouldn't accept it a lot of the times because she didn't see him down and so even people near you it's very hard for them to realize just what you're going through i remember you know I, and i've spoken about it on here um about myself with suicide attempts and with with planning of suicide as well and it wasn't until my my mother and father saw me with blood dripping from my arms that i think they really realized what it meant what was actually going on in my head despite yeah. anything else it's very very different so that is quite that is quite um, kind of interesting to, to get through, um, and it is very hard for people. Um, the, the way that song goes sounds a lot like um, the, the um, I Dig a Thousand Holes. It sounds like a, um, 
uh, some kind of anecdote, well, I say anecdote, but it's it's something I've used a few times before, which is, it sounds like it's a joke, but it isn't. It's it's the story of someone falling down a hole and then um, friends turn up. So one friend turns up who's a doctor and he's like, can, can you please help me out of the hole? And they go, um, oh, here, writes a prescription and throws it into the hole and yep, walks yep. off. And the next one, who's a rich banker, is like, please help me out of the hole, writes a check, throws it in the hole. And then the third friend comes along and he's like, please help me. And the third friend jumps into the hole with him. And he goes, you idiot. Now we're both in the hole. He's like, yes, but I've been here before and I know the way out. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is that for, for many people, they don't realize that actually you can't just give the platitudes. You can't just say, um, I'll do this, do that. It's like, no, right. Okay. I will. I have been there. I know these things that worked for me and I can give you advice on that I don't know if these things will work for you but I know what helped me out for me I yeah. think that's that's important for a lot of people um Lindsay that you mentioned by the way if anyone's watching and you've seen other things you may remember that me and Dave are both um trustees of a charity called up for mental health if you go to the up for mental health channel and you're looking for different resources to help you in different ways or to find your own kind of center for the day Lindsay has specifically written five um, has composed five um, songs on the uh, on her piano. They're about two, three minutes long, and they're just to help you even yourself out or to get ready for the day. Um, that kind of they're helping you with your your own take on your own therapy to help you go forward. So if you want to go along, that is who Dave was talking about um, in both of our communities on Twitch. Um, so it's appropriate that the music is to do with Lindsay Day as well. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, while you're actually on that topic, though, the, the, of being in the hole, this isn't the, the film I've gone with, but one that was good, what was very close seconds to what I went with is, um, is a film called um, What Dreams May Come. Mm-hmm. And it's a Robin Williams film. I've got huge spoilers for the next three minutes. So if you don't, if you want to watch the film and not get everything spoiled, then please stop listening, including you all. Um, uh, basically, um, very early in the film, the two, Robin Williams and his wife lose their two children in a car accident. He deals with it by, I'm just going to make the most of the life that I've got, I've still, I, that I'm still here. She deals with it by going into depression both equally valid you know, and equally appropriate ways of actually dealing with things. Um, and then a few, like about 20 minutes later, he gets killed in another car accident. And, um, and then he goes off to heaven his own, and its own version of heaven. It's all used, do, used doing paintings and stuff. Uh, and then later on, she finally succumbs to the depression and takes her own life. And he's like, great, she can come to heaven with me. And it's like, no, actually, she took her own life. So she's gone to hell. So he goes into hell to try and find her. And just the most heart wrenching moment in the entire film is he's there trying to get her out, trying to drag her out of hell. But he has to go out into hell in order to be able to do this. And then he finally realizes, and this is, there's no way I'm getting through this. And this isn't even the one I chose. he finally realizes and says that something on the lines of it wasn't because um, it's, it wasn't because you couldn't be with me in the light. It's because I refused to be with you in the darkness yeah. or something of something of that nature. I've butchered the quote because um, I wasn't going to even talk about it because it was the secondary film, but, um, but still it's like he, so what, and what actually eventually helps her to, to out of hell is the fact that he's willing to sit and be in hell with her. And actually, sometimes that's one of the biggest things that a person in depression needs. We don't really want it. We don't want the person in the hole with us because, again, we think you're stupid. What do you want? What you've been in this hole with? We don't want to drag people down to our level. But a friend who would dig a thousand holes just to lay next to you, that's uh, 
freaking powerful. Is it, you know what's the most annoying thing is that my my logical ass brain really has issue with that film. <laughs> um, because if your if your heaven always includes the one you love, then there's no way they could ever go to hell, no matter what they've done, because they would always be with you in heaven. Because it's meant to be an the continuation of your own heaven and your best things. So I have I like it. That, that, <laughs> it's I, I, I the suspension of disbelief, right? <laughs> yeah, I, um, someone that came across philosophy at university is never a good idea. But um, yeah, I have to explain these things because my, my son's a lot more logical, even more logical than I am. And it's like it's like because narrative, because like why well, why didn't you know even in the Avengers films, like, why didn't Captain America just do this at this point? Because it would have stopped everything. You're right, it would have stopped everything, including the movie <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's, it is the it is the thing but of course and because time, hero's journey <laughs> yes um and it also doesn't make sense because of course i'm sure her the daughter's own heaven because they were an innocent would have been to have her mother with her um so it, anyway um but yeah and that's the, the, so this is the point about actually a general point going on i said we're, we're tangent but general point about mental health as well is that I'm sure there are people that are now just going, shut the fuck up, Adam. What, what are you on about? That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter. But again, my mental health, my way of thinking fucks with it. And that, that's the point with films, TV, um, you know, songs, anything like that, is that perspective on things can change things. And that's why, and that is also why we have the charity and we have the different ways of finding your own therapy because one answer to everything doesn't solve it for everyone it's it's always a thing i i I think i've got i've given one response to something on twitter but i actively have on twitter that i don't get into debates with people because they've already made a decision it's fucking pointless because of the fact that i have seen so many people with mental health issues who will talk for that mental health issue and say Mm -hmm. well for all, on behalf of all autistics, fuck off. On behalf of <laughs> fuck off. That's not how it works. We actively, people with mental health actively argue that you can't tar us with the same brush as everybody else and then tar ourselves with the same brush. Everybody else is individual. And for some reason, we like to talk for our entire, um, our, our entire neurodivergence and say that we must be treated the same and at the same time, generally arguing with doctors to not do the same. So it is, yeah. a, it is really annoying, but yeah, our own, our own interaction with those things. And it's why um, people really hate watching horror films with me because my response is usually going, well, you don't know that person, push them into the path of the shark or, you know, it's because it's, you know, it's, it's like John Wick. You see John Wick and you sort of go, well, you know, you know, your son's fucked. It's that kind of thing. It's <laughs> because again, it's the suspension because it's, you also know it's not real and yeah. that's very hard to deal with. My mother who, mum, if you're watching, I doubt you are because you don't like me swearing, but hey, um, my mother <laughs> who I don't, I don't know if she's ever been um, diagnosed with anything, but I, but I'm pretty sure has suffered from at least depression. Um, she will not watch films because she cannot create a suspension of disbelief because she oh. watches it and just kind of goes, but why? But they're just lying. It's weird. It's like Galaxy Quest. If anyone's ever seen Galaxy Quest, they meet the aliens, and the aliens think that everything on TV is real because they don't understand the idea of acting because they see it as lying. And uh. it's almost, so my mum can occasionally watch certain things, but if she's watching TV, she won't watch um, you know, EastEnders or Coronation Street or a film. Occasionally we'll be able to get through a film, but she'll be like, yeah, but he was in that the other day. And... So it's not that, is it? That's not true, which is possibly where I've got it from as well. It's, it's that way of thinking. So, yeah, it's very different for everyone. And that's that's a problem with it as well. 
Um, lovely little tangent. Um, no, it's so, very, very valuable in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's everyone's everyone's way of sustaining things is very different, which is why I think for returning people um, onto the podcast, which we want to see many more of you come, um, is why I want to do this because there are so many different films for so many different reasons and songs and everything else that people will pick because when I think in my head of pick a film pick it, that's had an impact, every one that I would pick myself are my favourite of each of them because mm-hmm. they're my favourite because of a wealth of different things. They're also ones that people would never guess. Um, if anyone wants to guess, give it a go below. You will never guess my favourite song and film and book. It just won't happen um, because they're so, you might guess the book. If you know my background and my education, you may, may guess the book. Oh, it's it. too tempting now because I know enough about it, but I don't, probably don't know enough about it to get the right guess. Uh, no, and you may not have even heard of the book, but it makes it. Your favourite film is Legally Blonde. No, it's not. But I know why you said that. <laughs> Anyone that's wondering, and I've never shown it in this podcast, um, you'll notice I have a, a, a Pooh Bear um, tattoo, and that is me and my late wife's first ever film that we watched together was Legally Blonde, and they called each other Pooh Bear at the beginning, and so me and my wife called each other Pooh Bear. So I understand why. Um, I've had my, my cry about my late wife already early hours this morning, so we will not do that again. Sorry, but... I, that was mean. <laughs> I just want to win. <laughs> it's like when you do two truths and a lie on your it channel. Like, it wasn't intentional. I also know the mental state you're in right now, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, but no, it, it's not. I, there's a, there's, my, my book would be the easiest for anyone that knows my educational background. But anyway. That's my homework for later. You'll <laughs> you have to go through every book of that, Sean. I'm, I'm off. I'm doing it. If it, helps, if it helps anyone that gets really bored, I, didn't, um, I hadn't read a book from cover to cover until the age of 27. I went through university and got a degree because of my memory. I never needed to read a book um so <laughs> not envious at all neurodetic memories come in handy anyway so let's get on to what your actual film was so that was your kind of secondary one so what was your real film yeah also honorable mention in song just for the just for the screaming outness of it all is i'm not okay by my chemical romance <laughs> yes I mean, because yeah. it's just a great big admission <laughs> <laughs> but um and it's great to belt out at the top of your voice whether you are feeling good or whether you're not i think hmm. um so yeah my film my film theoretically i've actually got the book of the film right here next to me and let's mention another person from our community let's mention lydia this time lydia sent me the book um it's called the diving bell and the butterfly okay. by jean dominique bauby bauby um now Jean Dominique Bobby, I believe that's the person himself, um, because it's it was it was authored by him. Uh, he basically he was the uh, it's written on here. The did after suffering a massive stroke, Jean Dominique Bobby, editor in chief of French L, and the father of two young children, found himself completely paralyzed and speechless, able to only move one eyelid. The eyelid he dictated this remarkable book. Um, and I I watched the film version of it about three months after my suicide attempt and basically the whole film is the whole film is is shown from um you, you see kind of him out in the car at the very beginning and then after that everything's in the hospital except for one major scene where um basically they're able to get him out of the hospital for father's day and they take him out to the beach and um 
they take him out to the beach and he's able to watch his kids um, and that's it. He can't interact with them in the slightest. Now to set some context before I kind of talk about the moment in that film that completely changed my life. Um, the big, one of the big things I've believed a hundred percent about myself 12 years ago where, when I attempted my own life was that I had nothing left to give. And very much more specifically, the thing I, I like had on repeat in my head was I'm the terrible father. My kids deserve so much better. And that was my kids were two and four at the time, you know, so like, um, but I'd got into a thing where for the previous couple of years before that, I was Mr. Oh yeah, they have, they eat everything we eat. I cook for them. I blend it up. I, you know, that we weeding them well, looking after them really well, sitting down, doing story time, helping them with their phonics, all of that stuff. And then I basically full on screwed my life up in one year <laughs> to at the pursuit of a relationship. I will you know, I am only half ashamed to admit, I say only half ashamed. I'd be fully ashamed apart from the fact that I think it's important to take ownership for our mistakes. Um, and basically I got to this point I'd lost, I'd burned bridges with all of my family. I'd burned bridges with all of my friends at the pursuit of this one relationship. And then this person in the relationship left. And um, essentially I'd screwed everything up and I got to the position in my life where I'd not exactly forgotten to, but I had the executive dysfunction that stopped me from being able to cook for the kids, stopped me from being able to really interact with them. And, you know, at the age of four, my eldest Sam, who's now 16, was tucking me in under a blanket on the couch while they watched in the night garden. And I was just sat there crying in a heap. Uh, and I'd gone from cooking them everything to all I could manage was to drive to a pub that's about three miles from here where it was two for one kids meals and there was a wacky warehouse in there. And I'd just sit there doing the 2009 equivalent of doom scrolling, whatever that was. I think it's probably checking your text messages every five seconds to see if anybody loves you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I 100% believed that I was a worthless piece of crap and that I couldn't the big the big debilitating belief is the fact that I couldn't get any better that was always going to be like this you know um it's very very easy when you've fallen to think that you're always going to be at that level whereas when you're on the when you're kind of riding high you don't tend to think I'm always going to be at this level mm. you know you kind of and um and I, the, I'd, I'd love to say that the attempt on my life like and I did regret it um I did regret it later on in the day um and i was obviously able to get like get through it all and i was perfectly healthy off out the back end of it but i was still i was still suicidal like i was not i wasn't suddenly like oh that's a relief you know like i still wanted to try again you know i regretted the attempt and stuff and i regretted some of some of what i'd said to people like because I'd, I'd had a huge argument with my mom um when when i actually you know in the midst of the attempt um and i regretted a lot of that but i still was like no i'm st i still thought i was this absolute worthless piece of crap and then i watched this film because just to pass the time more than anything else um i was i'd been trying the year before you know as well like to try and when my mental health started dipping in the in the build-up to the suicide attempt i started doing things like learning french and stuff you know like when the people say have you tried doing this to take your mind off things so i did i started i was like i've always wanted to be able to speak french i'm going to learn french and um and i started learning french and that was the reason that this film was even in my house netflix um sent you flicks 
via the net back then, but they were, they came up in your post box and they were on DVDs and this was next on the list. And um, I just literally put it on to pass the time in an evening. And I was, ca- I was really captivated with the story and I was getting a little bit of perspective, you know, thinking, Oh, at least, you know, I'm not this guy. And I know like, you should never say that to anybody else, but I think if you say it to yourself and it works, it's perfectly valid. You know, that's the difference between comparison and perspective, I think, is it was giving me perspective. But the thing that really shook me was this when he's on the beach in Father's Day and the line that comes with it is even a shadow, even a fragment of a dad is still a dad. And I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, I paused it. And I wept for completely different reasons. Like I was no stranger to tears at this point, but these were very different tears. And I, I remember it like a light bulb going on in my head. And it, it went from my kids deserve better. I should get out the way to my kids deserve better. I should be the way. And honestly, I don't think I'd still be here without that book, that film. Well, the book, which turned into a film, basically. I don't think I'd still be here because I still had, I, you know, I'd started falling apart. I wasn't safe in life, basically, to go back to the Biffy Clara song. Yeah. And, and I, I, I wasn't. And, um, and honestly, that, the, what got me through those first two years was to be a better man for my kids. Um, and then within the first year, I started seeing the woman who's now my wife. And to be a better man for her started taking over. And then when I became a personal trainer, to be a better man for my clients started taking over. And then finally... Finally, 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 only a few years ago, I finally twigged on that idea that self-esteem starts with self. And I was like, holy shit, I want to be a better person just because I enjoy being a better person. And that's what's right for me. And I'm doing it for me. But I just don't know where I'd be without that book or film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is one of those things. I mean, I, I will openly admit, and I think I already have done before, I, I still I don't look to be a better person for myself. Still don't care. Um, but I've, I've made that point before. It's most of most of my existence and continuation is because of a promise to my wife and for many other things. Um, so I'm not at that stage whether I ever will be. Um, it's it's more to kind of and I'm well aware if anyone of my community is watching of turn on your light first. Yeah, fuck off. Um, um, but uh, it is just one of those, it is just one of those things. I think the. The thing that people always forget um, that you said there is the the idea of no worth as well. And and I think when most people, because we all we have all heard, especially those that have attempted and or planned and everything like that, have absolutely heard the words, oh, well, it's the coward's way out. And yeah. um, that that comment I said about wanting to punch someone early, I think we can go back to that. <laughs> hey, look, you're the one usually telling everyone to fuck off. And I think I'd tell people on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a complete lack of understanding at all. Um, like, so I, I'm one I've, I've said about, I don't believe in empathy. I do not mm. believe in empathy. I think it's, I think it's something we, we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better, which is ironic considering what empathy is meant to mean. Um, but understanding of a situation, I think is something you can do at least to a point. You can never truly understand someone's situation because you're not them with the point I made earlier, but you can understand to a point. And the, the thing that the people don't seem to understand is that, you literally believe that everyone and everything is better without you there. So it's not cowardly in any way because that's not, you're doing it for a completely different reason. You actively think, you know, this thing about when people say, oh, well, what about your kids? They're better without me, you know, or my parents or my my partner, they're better without me. And that's the thing. And again, 
um, the same time I was talking about earlier when my, my mother for the first time saw what I'd done to myself um, was when I was still, I, th I think I was kind of coming out, but out of it, but I was still in that, that way of thinking was, but what about us? And my immediate response was, what the fuck makes you think I care about you? Because I didn't have any care for anyone. I didn't have any belief that I was worth for anything. So it's, it's completely separate. If you cared about some, if you cared about something else in that moment, you wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't do it because yeah. that's the fucking point. So it is, it is important for people to know that, that it, you've, you've lost all self-worth. You've lost all care for really anything because if there was care there there would be care for yourself and it's not there that's why um yeah. which is really which is really good and you made a good point as well there about um accepting a toxic past which i think a lot of people try not to um <laughs> and i've i've said to people i still go with the you know um i'm an arsehole i think everyone's an arsehole I've said this many times i think everyone's an arsehole it's just like they say in the diehards um diehard 2 not the best film but it is in diehard 2 it's i'm your kind of arsehole there's that that one line where he says, but I thought you were an arsehole. I am an arsehole. I'm just your kind of arsehole. And I think that's that's the thing. And I know that I was I, I have a toxic past because I know that I and that the problem with, with the, a lot of things with toxic past, because people will always say, yeah, but I'm, I'm not. I've you know, I've been a fucking saint my entire life. It's like, you weren't. The problem <laughs> is the thing that people forget is that gaslighting doesn't just come from other people. Yeah. We gaslight ourselves and create, and it's, this is why I don't like reminiscing of certain things like that. When we reminisce, we create a version of ourselves. You know, when we reminisce for our own mental health, when we go, yeah, but I was better yesterday. I was better. No, you weren't. You were just as much of an arsehole yesterday as you are today. It's just that yesterday, it's just that you looking back on yesterday through rose-tinted glasses and you were amazing. You know, you're all, everyone is someone else's crazy ex. And I know I was a complete, arsehole to um ex-partners um yep. and that was and but that then made me better for when i i know it, it's not fucking helpful to any of my exes but it was that made me better for when i got with my wife because i wasn't that anymore i that that had my bullshit of the past had come to a, come to an end and you know before i'd got with my wife i'd attempted suicide again because i think i was because of the fact that i was accepting of the fact that i was a complete dick and then went somewhere with it. And I think it is important to accept, you know, we all have some kind of past. There is no, you know, I'd say there was no Mother Teresa, but Mother Teresa wasn't Mother Teresa. You know, have a look at Mother Teresa's background. She actively fucked up a lot of people's lives. Um, but everyone looks back at her and she's literally a saint now. So think about that when you're, when you're having a look back at yourself. It, because that's a, that's a good point for a lot of people's mental health, especially a lot of people's depression is, yeah, but I was so much better when I was younger. No, you weren't. You were probably stupider. So you didn't realize you were such a dick. Everyone has a toxic past. Everyone has a toxic past. Whether you realize it or not, you were at some point. It may have been momentary. It may have been long term. But all of us have some toxicity in our past that we are coming to grips with. Hopefully that is something that won't continue in the future. But we need to accept it. Otherwise, there is no growth. It's that it's like that cartoon of um, of uh, a larvae and, uh, and a butterfly and going, you've changed. It's like, you're fucking meant to. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things. But yeah, I think it is good that you had that, that, that film and that moment. And I, I think that's, I think a lot of us do have that one moment that's changed. For a lot of us that have, that have kind of been there, we do have that one thing that we go, fuck, and, you know, that's, that's um that's something i hadn't thought about and now it's it's that thing especially in depression i think which people don't realize is 
you are angry about the fact that they make sense <laughs> um because you're like no fuck you i don't relate to that at all yeah it's, <laughs> it's like that you really don't want it to make sense because you are too self-loathing in that moment that you're just like no that no there can't be a reason that i should keep going fuck yep. you you know that's not that's not it that's why people get so um put back sometimes when they have friends or family that may re respond angrily to them trying to help them and that's probably why because they're starting to realize that you're right they're starting yeah. to realize that there's a better tomorrow you know I, i've said this to dave i know what you're going to say but your your demons your demons shout the loudest when they know they're about to lose and that's the point they do so you know we all have that moment yeah um okay so is your book then the book of the film it's not i've not read it yet Sorry, Lydia. Um, <laughs> and it's only small as well. Um, so I, I, I could blast through it in an afternoon. I've just, Lydia sent it to me last week. Um, oh, right. It's and, a really recent one then. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's, yeah, she saw it in a, she saw it in a charity shop and she's like, that's the, that's the book. That's the one that Dave says, the film that changed his life. So she sent it to me and like just on a whim like that. And again, Lydia, if you're listening, that is a sign that you are an awesome person. Right? <laughs> don't, don't listen to your demons. Listen to me and up. <laughs> that, that goes for all of our communities. <laughs> there are other people, you know. I've just stopped. I've just stopped not singling them out now. It's, uh, it's like, look, you're all amazing. Shut up. And, we, and also, we think about you when you're not directly there asking us to think about you. It's funny, though, isn't it? Um, of, course, I, of course, I need to accept that they think about me when I'm not live as well. So that goes both ways. Which is a very interesting thing, considering didn't you have a diagnosis at one point of ADHD? Uh, I've not got a diagnosis of it, but you mean object permanence by any yes. chance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. So you know, you know, guys, object permanence being a thing for ADHD, so you're making an impact more than you may allow yourself to think about. Yeah, I, but that's the thing is that I, I had to be told that um, or even realize that. And then I have to remind myself of that because my brain literally thinks that the second a transaction is over with a person and by a social transaction, I stop being of value to them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and then I was like, one day I was thinking about something that my film studies teacher said to me in college when I was 16. And I was like, oh, wow, no, he's, he's, and he, something he said to me back then has got immense value to me now. Um, once something that one of my mentors said to me seven years ago, it's like still one of the most powerful quotes, which is, you know, you need to be your authority and stop waiting for everybody else to tell you you are. Um, like I have to remind myself of that because I just didn't give myself the permission to speak before that. And these are small interactions that are like, that have made a huge difference on me going forward. These films, these books, these, you know, the, these songs, I don't have to be listening to that Biffy Clara song actively for it to make an impact on my life. And it's, I've had to logic my way around probably what ADHD would want my brain to do, which is, and the same with all my best long lasting friendships is my, my most long lasting friendships are tend to be, they tend to be, AH at the beginning. Hello, you're my new favorite flavor of ice cream. I'm going to be paying all the attention to you and like and wanting to hang out with you every single day of the week um, at the beginning. And then as time goes on, it's like, okay, I, I can't I can't uphold that that intensity now. Um, but it doesn't mean that the person's any less of a friend to me, you know. So it's um 
you know, there's, there's that, there's that benefit of it that all of my best friendships are ones that I'll see them having not seen them for like six months or two years or whatever. And it's like picking up where you left off, which apparently isn't normal. And most of my, and most of I, like, you know, I mean, I did, I disagree. I think it's completely fucking normal person. <laughs> Cause that's what you do. <laughs> it's what I do, but it's also what I think a lot of guys do. I mean, this is a joke that's made often about men um, that, you know, if we if it's made on i've seen it made on mock the week quite a lot as well if like you know if if uh, if um females don't talk to each other for like a week they'll think that you know one of them hates them whereas yeah, if we don't if we talk to someone within a week we're like fucking hell don't overcrowd you know it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know i i i still consider um um a guy called dave my best friend um and he i have not spoken to him in about three years but it's it's, it's, it's still he was my best man um mm. and i think before he was my best man i hadn't spoken to him in about a year so it's, it's i i i find i find it weird if i if i spent all my time with someone all the time or every day i'd get annoyed i mean i lived yeah. with most of the people that i would consider my kind of my, my closest friends i have not spoken to for a while and i lived with all of them and i remember getting very pissed off by the fact that i lived <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just my neurodivergent ass brain going, no, this is how it is, Adam, and me not accepting it. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the same for mine, and, I, and it's also a neurodivergent brain. And remember, all neurodivergent brains are exactly the same. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, we're all, we're all carbon copies. That's why if you're ever talking on something, of course, it's the same. But, you know, <laughs> um, the book, unfortunately, is going to be tremendously anticlimactic. And wh and whilst we talk about differences, um, it's some. I reckon you'd you'd utterly hate it. Um, okay. It's a book called The Four Tendencies, and it's by a woman called Gretchen Rubin. And with your brain being very um, black and white in places, but liking very scientific in others and ones, and and you go into all the different avenues, be, like to, and then decide that's whether something's bullshit or not, you would definitely decide this is bullshit. Um, and it's it's basically a book about about our tendencies to either. Um, what's called the obliger tendency, which is you find it easy to do things for other people, but difficult to do things for yourself. There's what's called the questioner tendency, which means you only ever do things that fit logically. Um, and as a result, as a result, technically do things that you see as the best fit. And it doesn't matter. It's about hitting your own internal um, expectations. There is the upholder that find it very, very easy to do both. So they look after themselves, look after everybody else, and they just get on with life. You'll meet a few of those in your life, and they're really, really annoyingly irritating, even though they're very lovely. Uh, and then rebel, which is push back against everything. Like so, whether someone, if someone else wants you to do it, push back immediately. You you probably could have done it if no one wanted you to do it. Like my wife's a prime example of this. Back when when it, she was in the office, if like if it had been her turn to do the tea run, she'd go and do the tea run. But if someone had said, "Isn't it your turn to do the tea run?" she would literally dig her heels in and be like, "No, I'm not doing it." And like so, that's very difficult because you know you you ask her to do things, she doesn't know that you wanted to do something, so you ask her to do something, and now she's definitely not doing it. But she's the same when it comes to things that she wants for herself and she's always like why can't i just do this even though i want it um now this book changed my life on two different levels um, i found this book the first year i started doing mindset coaching on top of personal training so i, I had a two-year overlap of being mindset well it was dave cottrell mindset coach back then uh, which no one could ever find because my surname's hard to spell 
And um, and and guess what? The colour was orange. It wasn't purple. I know. I hard my colour back then. <laughs> in the background, but that is my colour is orange. So, um, so yeah. So I was doing CoFit personal training with elements of mindset coaching, and uh, this is and so and I found this. I'd found this book just around about that time. I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast at the time because my big obsession back then before I started working on everyone else was personal development for me. Um, so I was, I was constantly trying out new personal development ideas and stuff for myself. And then obviously didn't know I had ADHD at the time. So I'd pick them all up for a, and really intensively do them for a short space of time and then drop them like they're hot. And, um, but um, this was the one that stuck with me really out the whole lot, because I wouldn't say I'm so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very balanced, very says between logic and emotion, right? I've definitely sometimes one overpowers, sometimes the other overpowers, but they usually I've got both. I don't feel like one of them is over dominant most of the time. And so logically, I wanted to dispute this idea that there's only four types of people because I'm like, I spent my entire life disputing the fact that there's only 12 types of people from horoscopes and stuff like that. It's like, so narrowing it down to even four. Um, but what I found was it was a very, if, as long as I didn't use it as a rule and used it as a kind of shortcut, it helped me get to the crux of matters with people a whole lot quicker and what their individual motivations were and what was stopping that person in front of me from being able to move forward. Me being an obliger, for example, it means that actually, because I'd, I'd got very frustrated at the fact that I could always do something when I had a coach, always. Like if I had a coach saying, I need you to do this by this time, or if I had a deadline, I need you to do this by this time, or if a loner wants me to do something, kids wants me to do something, simple, easy. If I wanted me to do something, not even happening. No, not at all. That's why challenges and things like me, I have to be accountable. And I have to be public about them. Um, the only exception being when I decided to run a marathon through the night round the woods without telling anyone about it last year, which was just to prove to myself I could. I tick that box now. I don't need to. So I used to always go through these cycles of having a coach, and I pick things up really quickly when I'm when I'm learning from somebody. So and I'm like. I'm probably like the worst type of client in the world. I don't just want you to help me. I want to know how you're helping so I can actually do this all for myself. The problem is I can never do it for myself because even if I have the knowledge, it's not the knowledge that holds me back. It's the lack of accountability. So, and what I would say is that about, it's it's about, according to this book, that's about like, you know, it's about 30% of people are like that, 30% of people are the question, which is the other one. And the other two are a little bit more rare. In the line of work I do, practically everyone is an obliger with the odd question here and there. Um, again, there's no, there's, no, there's no male or female the link that's ever been found with this, but tend to find that, you know, obliger is a much more female tendency in the fact that you care, you're in a caring role, you're given to everybody else. And it made me, it got me to the point where I could actually talk about each of these things. If I wrote a piece of content, I'd write a piece of content. If I was aiming for like guys or whatever, I'd write it more down the questioner route. Like the, the question is always looking for the perfect way to do something. And sometimes the thing that can hold that person back is the fact that they don't want to do the imperfect way of doing it. So they do nothing instead. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I can't figure out what's the best way to do this. So I'm not going to do it at all. Um, the obliger is waiting for someone else to give them permission to do it or waiting for someone like, you know, so that person, you can tell that person a million times that they need to put their light on first. You can tell that person, um, you know, a million times 
that you know that they need to look after themselves or they need to do certain things and it's like again Lydia's an obliger sorry Lydia you've been brought up twice on one podcast and as you probably well know if whenever you or I say please or ask her to do it for us she's more likely to do it ask her to look after herself for her own sake no and then um, and that's the thing is it that that allowed me to to figure that out with people as to where they are on that sort of scale and I say I don't I don't kind of treat it as a hard and fast rule but it's definitely it allowed me to understand myself a whole lot better um, and accept that my motivations sometimes come from external. You know, it'd be OK with the fact that actually it's OK if someone if in, in order for me to really want to do something, I need to make it important to somebody else. It makes it really hard to put like content out that, that I don't know if people want it or not. You know, coming up with ideas like who even asked this question, <laughs> you know, it's, it makes it hard for a lot of that stuff. But when someone says to me, I need this podcast done by then, or I need this appointment done by then, or whatever it is, no problem whatsoever for me. So yeah, it's um, it's a little less emotional than the other two answers, but ultimately it's probably the one book that I've got the most value out of ever. So, I mean, I'll say two things on it. One, if it helps you, it's valid. Yeah. In that it helps you. In t- uh, and that's with pretty much everything. The only time when it's not valid is if it's used as a, an indicator or, or a truth when I have issue. I mean, Gretchen Rubin's a, um, a legal communicator. Yep. She, she literally uses the, her logic comes from that in the same way that I have, I was trained as a Gantz public narrative speaker. So it's almost exactly the same. And so her way of speaking is tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. That's the way you do it. She'd be able to do exactly the same thing as me, which is, um, exactly the same thing as mentalists do, um, and by mentalists I mean you know charlatans and um, and and Darren Brown as well, who basically he's not a charlatan, he admits it. <laughs> I would, no, but he admits that it's charlatanism. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but it's it's that idea that you can make everyone fit into a box very quickly, incredibly yeah. quickly. The the there's good and bad to it. One that if you allow someone to fit in a box when they need to, that can be actually be helpful, as it has been for you. Yep. Um, it can be damaging if it's something that somebody's railing against but that is why you put in the rebel that's why you have to put in the rebel because you allow someone to get out that's yeah. why she's put it in there because it's the easy get out for people that need that get out it's the same way as if um if you were trying to um talk to someone and use um psychological nonsense you could talk about the fact that everyone is um a, everyone in their core is a is a child in the corner crying that you want to get to grips with and you just haven't interacted with it yet you'll always have one person says no I, I, of course not i'm very sorry that you haven't got to grips with that yet I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing it up i didn't mean to upset you when you're ready to talk about it i'm here it's the same bullshit it's just written in a different written in a different way it's the same arguments i've seen 50 million times from psych one um undergrads so i don't disagree um i disagree in everything can be useful to someone and i think that's also somebody everyone needs to to know as well it's like so in the background you can see i have a singing bowl now i find use in it and there are people that i would call complete fucking idiots that take use in it but we're both finding use in it for different reasons yeah and that's the thing that i think people need to realize is because i'm making this point because dave said at the beginning why i'd hate it is that you can still find worth and help in things even if you are using it for very different things. You'll also notice in the background somewhere, there, there, there. I'm, you won't be able to read it. I'm a um, qualified meditation uh, teacher and a mindfulness teacher. Now, most people's immediate thing for that is, okay, so you're, you know, 
you're in the yoga yoga pose going um in the corner of an LA studio and fuck no like I will talk about the fact that martial arts and doing gardening is meditative yeah. and mindfulness can literally be you listening to thrash metal in your bedroom like there's various different reasons however if you went and talked to you know an LA wellness expert they'd be like no you have to be in this studio in silence it's it's not always the same you can have the placebo effect is useful even when you know it's a placebo yes and guess what dave that is a scientific research <laughs> it is it is so that is the point that you can find you can find the the the, the logic in it so even if i don't believe in it or you don't believe in it or whatever it doesn't matter if it's helpful to that person the only time i have issue with it is some when someone is creating a problem for someone or someone's lifestyle or finances because of the same peddling of bullshit yeah everyone can you know the secret the book the secret utter bullshit there are still people that were trying to argue with me fucking go for it it is utter bullshit of the highest order and that person there's very there are occasional accounts of people that have fucked up their entire lives but they're very very rare they just made money out of people that wanted to wanted to believe it i have no massive problem with that because it's just a book and it doesn't cost that much money it's when you get people and just gonna go right if you give me twenty thousand pounds i will make your world so much better no no no, no. now i have issue with you and that's the charlatanism that darren brown rails against as well because that's when people go to someone every single week spend money they don't have over and over again in fact the tv program the mentalist is also where he makes that point as well because he plays a reformed mentalist basically and talks about the fact that there's people that he cannot convince otherwise there's actually one episode where he goes back to someone they're trying to solve a, a case where he goes back to someone where he was her 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 psychic and she will not accept that he is not psychic even though he tells her look i was screwing you over and she will not accept it and in the end he has to just pretend he's psychic to fuck, solve the case and she yeah. and she ends up just going to him and just kind of going see even if you've lost faith in your in your ability it doesn't mean it's, and it, it, that's where people have lost perspective and i know there's many people um that that argue and they argue on twitch the thing is i have no problem with those people because none of them are trying to screw someone over mm -hmm. the, the thing itself is what i have issue with and that's the thing um so yeah there, there's always there's always something you can find in any of those books if you find them helpful fucking buy them buy them do it if you find it helpful to sit in a corner going um great you know but that's not for everyone if you find it helpful to 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 put yourself in a box because that makes more sense to you to understand it that way great and i think that is important that people should know is that you know if there's something that you find helpful that somebody else finds complete nonsensical doesn't matter because unless you're planning on taking all their money or destroying their life by your nonsense it doesn't matter it doesn't matter to them i have yeah. plenty of people who believe in things like horoscopes freelance um occasionally freelance journalist one of my first jobs was writing horoscopes it's bullshit however there are plenty of people who use them and it doesn't matter how many people read it before their coffee in the morning and have and it doesn't it doesn't really affect them at all but they're yeah. like oh i'm having a good day today awesome and it almost sets them up for the day and that's the thing it's if it is something like that great you know it, it doesn't really affect you but it can have a great a great impact on you and that's something to remember i know that people tend to think that if because i am the logical side of it that i'll just be like well no we should eradicate it from the world it's like no i don't necessarily think that i think the world would be a better place without it but if it's helpful to someone that's it you know if it helps you then it helps you 
if it yeah. is right for you, then it is right for you, which always sounds like the most stupid thing whenever I say that. But it's true because people always say, as we said earlier on, they'll have one rule and go, right, this is for all of you. And you'll be like, well, that doesn't work for me. This works for me. OK, we'll do that then. Especially <laughs> when it comes to mental health as well, because like I, I suppose a lot of the a lot of the sort of, you know, we can't just have kind of like anecdotal evidence and things like that in like say medicine for example if you think it's like if someone gives you a, an alternative to insulin like they give you a you know you've got diabetes and they give you a meditation that's going to fix your insulin and actually what it does is makes you feel more centered and more focused and therefore that's how you normally feel when your insulin is more balanced um a prime example of this is i i i had an old client who she was quite she was quite, um, what's the word, like not superstitious in the right word. She was quite, quite kind of, well, basically she did describe herself as witchy, to be honest. She was like quite witchy, I'll use her own word. But um, she absolutely hated Reiki. And the reason she hated Reiki was because um, her mum had been, had been dying of cancer and was getting going to see someone with, with doing Reiki um, and basically felt, um, again, what's the word, subjectively better. Yeah. And as a result, wasn't take you wasn't going and doing the doctor approach to things, and as a result, died quicker because it might make you feel better, but it wasn't actually curing the cancer as it was being, you know, told to her as it was, which is just horrendous. Um, but when it comes to mental health, the main thing is like is that your your actual subjective well being in mental health is your well-being in mental health so literally if i mean I, I, as i said i'm i'm new one of those i'm one of those new age people i'll say i'm spiritual but not religious um you know i'm very much open to the concept of a higher power i just don't think we've nailed it yet which one which one it is um and i think all the versions of it that we've written about you know suit the needs of the person that writes about it um well your own higher power would be my argument but yeah well isn't that the isn't that the premise of satanism um <laughs> If you look into Satanism, there is literally nothing wrong with it. If you look yeah. into the, the churches of Satanism, uh, I always love it because whenever people talk about Satanism and the churches of Satanism, they're always written by um, very, very, very right wing Christians. If you actually look at the church of Satanism and you actually I've literally done it. I've given the, the tenets of Satanism to Christians before and asked them wh what they think of it. And they said, oh, that's a brilliant um, following of Christian doctrine. No, it fucking yeah. isn't. It's Satanism. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the point being, OK, let's say, OK, let's let's use the let's use the concept of prayer. All right. So the concept of prayer, if you pray um, for cancer to go away uh, and your symptoms of cancer go away, but you don't ever go and find, you know, the, you know you're not going for scans, you're not seeing the doctors and then uh, um, and but your symptoms go away. So you believe the efficacy of prayer. And as a result, you put all your faith in prayer and take all of your faith away from medicine. Um, that's that's very very harmful right that's that's kind of like that's but in the flip side if you pray for relief from depression and you your symptoms alleviate from depression then it doesn't really matter if you still have the wirings for depression in your brain or not because if you're not experiencing depression that's what's one of the things where like then you don't have well you may have it but you're not experiencing it with mental health issues and neurodivergency let's face it we don't it's like we don't really care what level a person's neurodivergence is we don't really care what type of autism they have or what you know brand of adhd they have we, we care how it presents and we care how it impacts that person's life and what you're trying to essentially help them with not treat because treating those things is disgusting um but the thing that you're trying to help them manage those things with is you're helping them manage the representation of it not the not the, the source of it right 
and it's the same there so if, if someone was to actually literally like let's say um someone had adhd and they prayed for focus and they got because they believed that the higher power gave them focus that allowed them to focus better it's not cured the adhd but it's it's helped them manage the symptoms of it and therefore there's no real harm there for anybody they're not like gonna you know basically lose a leg or anything or like over the yeah, yeah i mean the only time when it gets problematic is behavioralism um because obviously that's effectively traps someone in themselves my, my my mother put it the best way with that is that um imagine how many people in their 60s 70s and 80s um are left-handed and have to actively be pained in themselves every day and right right-handed because they were told they were the spawn of satan when they were younger um yeah, and that, sinest- that's the sinestralists i'm one of those <laughs> <laughs> it's it is that it is that it's that thing that um but th- there's the fine line that people never quite get behavioralism isn't um depending on how you're doing it if you're doing it with something else like you as you said if you're using it as a kind of look this is going to help you and then that's going to make you also think differently and you'll feel better because of it then great that's the way of doing it it's it's the one way just like no you will you will do this like i've had someone um once say um that because i suffer from ocd of um if i trapped you in a cage and did not allow you to do anything from your ocd and did it for you know three months or whatever um then you'd be cured i went, no i wouldn't my behavior might change i wouldn't be fucking cured i'd be even worse i would be i would be suicidal at that point because you've my behavior has changed meaning that in my own head i'm destroying myself um so that that, that, that's the difference i wanted to kind of point quickly point that out is that that's the thing is that it, it is that case that you're making yourself feel better and that's the thing if you're making yourself feel better yes yes that's the big that's the big kind of caveat is that you have to feel better because if you don't (laughs) with with physical illness how you feel is kind of irrelevant to what the sit to what the illness is doing whereas with mental illness how you feel is everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we go let's just cut that bit out let's just say that instead of all the rest of the stuff yeah exactly that that's you know it is it is the the opposite and i mean it's it's the it's the biggest thing I always have issue with when I because I hear I mean I'm sure we both heard this and fucking everyone's heard this. It's all in your head. Now I've heard people argue against it. My point is always the exact opposite. Of course it's in my fucking head. That's the problem. Yep. If it's in my big toe, I could chop it off. You know, it's in my head because if I don't say to someone that's suffering from um, you know I've forgotten certain names of the diseases, but where you have um, hyper um, responses from from your nerve endings if you have phantom um pain because you've lost an arm i don't say to them well yeah but that's all in your head mm-hmm. and now the problem is there's somebody now going to be thinking oh well it isn't in the head yeah it fucking is where do you think your central nervous system is the, the your brain is the center of your central nervous system without it if it's not in your head it is nowhere else so but yet we still because we can think of it as being oh well it's in their arm it's in their leg it's in there i can see that there suddenly it's not in their head it's all in your head that is the problem and the fact that it's all in your head is going to make the next variation of vr very interesting (laughs) because once they can actually start making you think you're feeling something somewhere that changes everything well yes i mean but they've all i mean they've already started things like that with um with uh prosthetics and some things where you literally are you know you, you can feel your fingers which must be fucking weird for, for people, yeah but if you've lost it because you, you've gone through phantom pains potentially and then you've got but yeah but that, that is always the problem is if you can feel better you are going to be better and you know what a lot of people miss out is that people that are suffering from mental health are trapped in their heads 
like I say, it's on it's on our heads. Exactly. Try, turn your fucking head off. Anyone. Yep. Anyone. And, and I know there's a lot of people going, oh, well, that's what meditation is. No, it fucking isn't. It's Anyone's not. ever told you to stop thinking, leave the fucking class because they've never taken a class themselves. You cannot stop thinking. You can't clear your mind. You have to think deep. about how you're trying to stop thinking. And that is called thinking. Yeah. You, you, you're not defragging a computer. <laughs> that, even, even in those terms, if I defrag a computer, guess what the computer's currently doing? It's running a program to defrag itself. Yeah. Format a computer. It is running a program to format itself. Even a computer is more fucking aware of itself. You know, it, you can't do it. So that's the problem. We're always we're always going ahead. So the feeling is always there. So it is that thing of like, if you can do something that's going to help you, do it. If you if it means you know if you've got some giant fucking amethyst in the co- corner and it's making you feel better, great. If it, you have some physical disease or something else. Fuck the crystal. It isn't doing anything. Um, th- that's the difference. I think that's the big difference. Um, I remember when my, because my wife passed away of brain cancer. I remember my, um, my mother-in-law saying that one of the people from the hospice came over. And luckily, she didn't do this as a, as a reason, but she did fucking Reiki. And I said, if I had been there, I, that, that particular person would have never been back. Um, because fuck you. I mean, she wasn't doing it as a kind of, this is going to cure everything, but bringing that shit into my, into the life at all is bullshit. My wife wasn't awake. So, um, that's the difference. You know, you bring that shit into there. That's a very different thing, but when it's to do with your head and it's making you feel better, great, because everything, different people have different things that make them feel better. Whether it's watching Twitch, whether it's watching YouTube, whether it's watching two random, um, English people, get het up about random things <laughs> about the state of mental health <laughs> yeah you know whether whether you're you, um was it dave in a band is his name i think david in a band um whether it's that guy getting irritated by the education system not teaching you about mental health and stuff on a on a hardcore um is it metal rap or whatever on on youtube oh i've not seen this but i feel i need to yeah there's he, he has a go at the um, education system being fucked up um you know if it's that it doesn't matter if it makes you feel better great you know how many people can listen to a song and go I feel better now. And great. Yeah, there is a caveat to that, of course, which is you need to have some kind of, I would also need to have some kind of introspection, which of course is the mindfulness. Um, and again, other change MH, there's a video on this. Um, because you need to have that mindfulness because otherwise it's surface level. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's that thing of going, you know, everything's absolutely fine, but you're a duck. So, or it's no swan sorry so you'd be your swans yeah it's lovely 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 underneath the water fuck um you know that's that's what you need to be aware of um when it when it's dealing with that but at the same time whatever you are using is the right thing to use if it is right for you it is right for you that's that's it's just that fucking simple (laughs) yeah really hate myself for saying the word simple when it comes to mental health but you know what i mean no no simple but not easy i'm okay yes. with the i'm okay with the word simple i'm not okay with the word easy when it comes to mental health yeah uh, yes because everyone everyone likes to to say well it's just you can just solve it like this it's everyone and i've actually spoken about this um recently with people in my community about and it's oh, fuck i'm gonna sound old now it's gonna make us both sound old but fuck it Younger generations now seem to want to just be able to do something. And it's, yeah. I, I actually say younger generations, I think millennials and Gen uh, Xs and everything wanted to do this anyway. It's just that people have pointed out about younger people is this idea of just going, oh, I've snapped my fingers, right, everything's fixed. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Any, any, um, 
any person that's dealing with mindfulness, any person that's dealing with mental health, any anybody, martial artist, anyone that tells you, yeah, you, you're going to be able to do this, you're going to be fine if I if I you come to two sessions with me. No, no, you're not. I think you've spoken about this before as well. Didn't you go to someone that was doing the same thing as you, and they basically said, if you come to me for like a couple of sessions, you'll be cured. No, it was the actual opposite. Oh no, so yeah, someone did tell me that they could fix my bipolar in a couple of sessions. That cost twelve hundred quid. Um, but the thing is, it was when I went to somebody about some smaller issues that I had, and they told me upfront before even hearing what it is that they do a minimum of twelve sessions. It was the actual opposite because okay. I don't, I don't put a limit. The reason I'm waving this slingshot around, by the way, um, on the camera, is because this is exactly one of the things I teach in schools: is the idea of the slingshot. The idea being everything that we want that's good, you have to pull it back. Mm. and put it under tension before it flies forward the opposite being a boomerang gives you the instant gratification in the short term but then comes whipping back and gives you the negative sort of repercussions and um i i sympathize actually and especially when i think when you say about generations first of all i was teaching a bunch of uh, stu uh, student teachers or recently qualified student teachers this morning and they're all like 22 to 25 right and i start talking about it as you know comparing our generation to the generation of the kids that they're teaching in reality i'm 17 years older than them and they are seven years older than the kids they're trying to do i'm like i'm not sure whether i thought they were older before i was younger or a bit of when both, i was but... last teaching in secondary schools they would have been in my classes as year eight <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so I was um, I was I was teaching them this morning. I said and I was like, I, I kind of talked to them about how much how much instant gratification has arrived sort of through our generation, because you're three years younger than me. Right. Um, or four, five, six. I don't know. I'm th I'm 37 in January. All right. Yeah. So you're three years younger than me. So um, I always think that you're like six months younger than me. And, it's, and I'm always wrong. But um, but yes. So basically for so i can still say our generation as i am just about an elder millennial as are you yeah um but we we were kind of we grew up through through having to wait for things we grew up for through if you want to watch your favorite show it comes out next week and you have to be there at 9 p.m or you have to have you you have to figure out how to set your vcr to do all the rest of this record and play waiting for the um songs on on the, on the radio yeah and then and then stopping it before the dj talks yeah. so we grew up through all of this we grew up as i said about the diving bell on the butterfly before we grew up through not only um going to the shop to dance and browsing blockbuster video for four and a half hours being the prequel to whatever film you end up watching mm. um but then we grew up after that through through okay this new amazing new service called netflix where they send you things on a dvd and it comes within like three or four days we grew up through if you buy something off amazon or before even amazon existed it takes a week to get to you mm. um and then we've seen the instant gratification of things like Netflix, where you can binge an entire show. We've seen the instant gratification of Amazon Prime, where you can get things the same day. Um, and, and now, even though we've got those comparisons, our generation still want it now. You're right. Our generation still, our generation, I believe, what I, what I probably got into Tim Ferriss at first was because of the book, like The Four Hour Body. Oh, don't put it. I, I loved that book, but do not put it in the hands of someone who does not know how to analyze what they're reading because it is harmful AF. It will make you try and do experiments on your life that you might not be able to undo. Um, 
for our work week and all the rest of it, I got obsessed with that productivity hacks and all that. Again, you know, like the the getting more out, you know, what's it called? The uh, Blinkist, is it? Where you where they give you the ideas of a book, the, the key points rather than the whole book. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's been pushed on our generation, the idea of like work harder, not smarter. So you're supposed to, and, and as a result, it's um, also pushed on us what you and I, well, I ranted to you about before we started recording that you'll get instant gratification from what you do. And as we know, as being podcast hosts and online personalities and um, whatever, you know, it's like a personality. Well, I don't know about who. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's not the case. And but the thing is, when something doesn't come easy now, um, the problem we've got is that, and this is why that that poem that I start off most of my um, streams with now, which is "You are not weak. The journey is just difficult." The reason I bang home on this. And I, I, I said it to this group of teachers this morning. I said, you know, for students say, you know, basically you can say it is you're not thick. The work is just difficult or you're not because like, he's like a lot of kids say they're thick or say they're, uh, you know, say they're stupid. It's like you're not stupid. The work is supposed to challenge us. Everything that cha- I, anything that changes is challenges us first. You know, it's like it's supposed to be harder. It's supposed to be beyond where you currently are. Therefore, it's a challenge. And I think the best thing we can do is switch into that mindset because because ultimately if we what what i see far too often is when someone struggles at something instead of accepting the fact that this is a difficult concept to grasp the person immediately goes inward and does that as you know does that introspection but not with a much emotional intelligence and just basically puts themselves off as a piece of shit like i can't do this therefore i'm a piece of shit yeah. the second you start talking to yourself like that it makes everything you're trying to do 10 times harder and it's like so we need to understand actually yeah okay this is supposed to be difficult right now but it won't be you know, if I keep at it, it won't be difficult in six months. It won't be difficult in two years. And um, yeah, I think I think it's, I, you know, it's hard enough for our generation when we've lived through periods of slow gratification. But to the younger millennials and Gen Z and stuff now okay. and whatever they've called the generation after that, I don't know. Alpha. Is that alpha. Oh, right. They started all over again now. Yeah. They're going into the Greek alphabet now. Oh, no, they're never, they're never going to be able to name the next one the bases, are they? Unless the, <laughs> unless the, unless the Gen Zs stop calling like simps and beta males and all that, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to call the second generation after that betas. Yeah. But but this is the whole thing is like that gener- like those generations, the, you know, every parent was like, I'm never giving my kid a phone or I'm never giving my kid. Like, they're going to wait till they're 16 to have a TV in the room or they're never getting put on the iPad. And then they get, the second they get put on that iPad once when they're two years old and now they're hooked to it. And it's like instant gratification. If I can't what's this photo album that you've put in front of me, I can't zoom in on the pictures. I don't understand it. Coronavirus. Oh, you're not allowed too much, too much, um, too much watch time on, on your computer. All right. Coronavirus. That's fucking changed it. (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly, exactly. And now this, 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 uh, this entire video will now be flagged for misinformation. (laughs) (laughs) Coronavirus and pre-stock. It did though. But it's like, we now, it's like, yeah. Um, we now will, it's quite happily, it's like, let the kids spend six hours on a Discord call all day or whatever. Interestingly, going back to object permanence, this thought just popped into my head right now, is um, because my kids got used to being able to talk to their friends on Discord all day when they were off school, like when they were, you know, they were doing their work, but they were just in calls while they did their work. It was like little study groups and stuff. Now, if they don't speak to their friends all day, because they can't, because they're in separate lessons and stuff in, in back in college, they're feeling like their friendships are falling apart. It's uh, almost it's, opposite to what we were saying about being able to take that time away from them and still being the same. It is weird. It's like I say, I don't think, as I said, it's, it's something we push on Gen Z because 
we we have seen it growing up whereas they haven't mm-hmm. so the reason that they they so i think that the thing to say is the reason that I, I think people lose sight of oh well it's is people talk about it as being gen z's fault and it's not it's our fault because we created the shit that is the reason they have that <laughs> so it's our yeah. fault but i mean it, it is it is weird it's like i've i've said this a few times before is that when i've taught um uh, self-defense and martial arts and things like that i've had people that have literally gone when i've taught some move and they'd be like oh yeah but why can't i just why can't i just do it i'm like yeah because you've been doing it for an hour like yeah <laughs> but you can do it and i'm like yeah but i started when i was four years old like i started doing this when you're before your parents had met like mm-hmm. of course i can do this now because and it's that thing that i don't think we say enough now but i, I know in the martial arts world at least is said a lot more especially when you're an instructor is i fucked it up more times than you've ever tried yeah and that's the thing is and it goes it also goes back to that point about it, it being all of us having a toxic past in some ways that we fucked up things along the way we 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 screwed with our own emotional intelligence that's why we have come out the other side looking a certain way you know because we have fucked up our lives at some point because we have done something completely stupid and with education as as well it's always an interesting one because in terms of education it's with them it's it's also not that it's just that the subject is hard that um you know they haven't had time i think it's also that the subject may be hard because they haven't found how they do it yet and it's it's very specific yeah 100 percent. there's um uh, an, an author and educator in the UK, I think they've actually passed away now, called um, Sir Ken Robinson. If anyone ever has a chance to watch any of his podcast, uh, podcast, no, TED Talks, please do it. When I was uh, training to be uh, a secondary school teacher, they actually showed us this, which I actually thank them for because it's it actually goes against what a lot of people have as in their heads as being education. So it's quite good that they showed this to us. Um, I had a very good um, uh, Ralph. Hello. Um, had a very good tutor who who helped us with that. So um, a very dour Scottish bloke. So it just it just fitted that it should be um, him that showed us it. And yeah, Ken, so Ken Robinson talked about the fact that when he was um, at school, he had a friend that didn't pay attention, didn't do any anything seemingly, and just danced and just did all that. And um, you know the, the teachers would complain and they weren't able to you know do anything and they she just didn't want to pay attention and it ended up with her parents being brought in with her. Um, and they took they and they they had an issue with it and then they took her to um, like a, a therapist or psychiatrist an educational psychiatrist like specific and um, he asked the parents to leave the room and just went okay so you know talked to, to her about it and she was just dancing around and he brought the parents back in and she went there's nothing wrong with your child she's just a dancer mm-hmm. and I think that that's the point as well is that the the reason some things are also hard for us is because we don't need to know it you know I I am on I love learning things. I, I am obsessed with education. Most people know this. I get bored. I learn something else. If I don't understand something in a sub in a in a conversation, I will go and learn it. To and a you'll standard. know it better than the person like that that you had the conversation with. Next time you speak to them, it's, <laughs> it becomes it's very hard to keep become, up with. <laughs> it does become it does become that that thing of um, you know I, I got called once the biggest control freak that somebody had ever known. Um, uh, this is a friend who's a psychiatrist basically said, yeah, um, you're the biggest control freak I've ever, I've ever seen because, um, I would do in a conversation and be like, right, well, I need to understand this now. So I'm going off to do it. It's, it's mm-hmm. actually like, um, I always think about it as being a, a different version of Joey from friends. Cause there's an episode of friends where, um, where Penn Jillette, 
randomly by himself without teller is in the episode of friends and he is selling an encyclopedia to joey and the, the point he makes is have you ever been in a conversation okay. with people and they haven't um, and you've not understood what they're talking about this would help you and that's and that is basically how i think about it if, me doing a course or something is just is the equivalent of me getting an encyclopedia book basically and and doing that but i think that's that is important it's like i whenever anybody talks about something i will go and research it but that isn't for everyone and the problem is is that the education system is set up for me that's the problem is our education system is set up for someone like me well, it's set up for someone about four levels down from you, to be fair. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> the point that Ken Robinson actually made was the education system, at least in the Western world, is a farm for the people that create the education system. Yep. Professors that sit at the top, the education system below them is created, is, is made to create them. And so, so you know the education system's a pyramid scheme? Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, can i have that section as a clip please <laughs> I mean, put, it, put it this way you can literally you can literally see it so if we look at the education system as being a pyramid scheme at the top right here is all the professors and the people that create our curriculum okay now down here at least in the, the uk everyone does gcse's okay or every so everyone does primary school yeah at gcse and a level which changes slightly at a level you start to weed people out because of the fact that they um because they might go into work which you're allowed to do from 16. so you don't so there's slightly less people here well then we go to university well not everyone's going to go to university more people are going to go to work there's a lot less to go to university i think in the uk it's only at about 22 percent so now we've got this bit which is slightly further up and there's not as many people well now they've got their degrees and there's a less percentage of that about i think it's actually gone up to about 40 percent but about 40 percent of them now go up and do their masters Okay, well, those people that have got their masters, some of them might go on to do another masters or a PhD. Well, now we've got less people and less and less. And now we've got the lecturers. And now we've got the people at the top. And it literally does the exact pyramid. Bit by bit, you weed out the people until you get again to the people that create the system. So it literally is the education system in terms of a curriculum is a pyramid scheme created to create itself. It is at the, top. It's the same as it's the same as in terms of IQ. It's exactly the same. You can find if you look at IQ, if you look for, for the things like the Stanford Binet um, basic uh, testing for IQ, which is the one that basically everybody uses, the one that's used by Mensa, International High IQ Society, and others. If you use that system and you look, uh, I don't know, there's plenty of people in, in, in high IQ that may be watching this if you're really bored, um, that would argue with me at this point. Please do. Do not assume. He likes arguing. Not, do not assume that um, because I talk against it, I'm not a member of your communities. Um, so we look at something like New Zealand, which is the last country that's been um, found, found. Um, and if we test the Aboriginal New Zealanders who don't have an education system and a way of learning that is based in the same as the Western world, guess who comes lowest in terms of Stanford Binet IQ testing? It's the people that do not ascribe to that educational standard. Yeah. There's also correlation without causation on the idea of having a higher IQ in society when you have a higher educational standard. No one has ever been able to show it the, uh, in both ways. Yes, you tend to have a higher IQ if you've been to university, but is that because of the fact that you've learned how to have that higher IQ? Mm -hmm. So you have the same thing with education in general, and it is, it's created to make people into that. And that's the problem. And that's actually the person I was talking about earlier, um, David Abanda, whatever it's called, um, that he says that people need to be learning more and actually discovering who they are. So in a lot of ways, our education system and the way that people are pushed into it and this immediate gratification um, 
is the reason that a lot of people are suffering in terms of their own mental health as well. Because if you're only ever told that you must have immediate gratification, well, we give people the chance to do GCSEs at year nine. Why? Why do you have the opportunity to do them at year nine? Because you haven't learned anything. Oh, but you want to improve. You want to get instant gratification again. Right, you can do it again in year 11 now. Fuck off. No, that's, that's not the way of doing things. And so the, the education and the way of doing things along those lines and the idea that it, it, it is tough for people, I think it's tough for everyone that it's not being created to help. And that's the problem. But of course, as the same we said at the beginning in terms of mental health, everyone has to be the same. Everyone is the same. You all start the same. It's not how that works. There's, yeah. a, there's a, I mean, it is an argument that a lot of um, socialists use is that, yes, everyone has the same way of going into something. You all have the same basic standard. You're here. So it's the same as being at a ball game and you all have the same box to stand on. The problem is yeah. if one person's five foot, one person's six foot, one person's six foot five, two of you probably can't see the fucking game. It's, it's set up for that one person. And mental health is set up, unfortunately, to fail the same way. The obvious one being NHS in the UK, it does not matter, does not matter what's matter with you. CBT, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. CBT, Worked very well for me, not. remember. <laughs> oh, no, I'm well aware. The problem is, is that it didn't for me. And yeah, yeah, I know, totally. It doesn't for many, many millions of people. But of course, CBT. Oh, no, it's been, it's been proven, CBT. You know what else has been proven? The American Behavioral Association, which is now being taken to court across the entire nation for continued systematic abuse of youngsters. But scientifically, of course, oh, no, we're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But then with mental health, you have to look, as we've said already, not just at the um, the external. We have to look at the feelings and somebody being trapped in themselves and how they respond to something. Not everyone is the fucking same. That's my rant against CBT. Also, you work within the NHS. So you have to be a little bit nicer than I do. Um... I don't actually. <laughs> oh, you're not even. Okay, <laughs> no, this 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 particular contract's already done. That's oh, not okay, done. Fine. I've not finished it yet. But uh, <laughs> but ultimately, um, I'm an independent within this. So it's um, I just ha I have the only thing I have to do is be careful where I disagree with them. But at the same time, they've brought me in because they they've brought me in because my views differ to and the stuff that i teach differs to it'd be um and one of the biggest things that i do teach is that we don't we like we can't have a one-size-fits-all so we need to be aware that in all of these techniques and things that we talk about that we have to account for individuality and i talk about basically um you know people want to be able to say all autistic people are this way all people with adhd are that way all including people with autism and, and, and well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah that was the one that used to, used to annoy me about about the the, uh, the depressed community or the mental health community in general when they say this is what mental health looks like not this is what mental health can look like uh, or this is what depression looks like is and you often see like pictures of robin williams smiling or pictures of yeah. pictures of chris cornell singing or you know or um or chester bennington singing or you know oh um party there so what was that your your you went a bit fuzzy you see i went fuzzy um i was just saying that well oh when people say this oh she's an on today i'm a here I'm a there. Oh, I'm right, a you're okay. back. Your internet went funny there. You are I'm back. back. Yeah. That's that's worrying. That's never happened before. So uh, no, no, it's not happened. I've had stable internet for like 
I was going to say, mine is stable as far as I can see. Everything's saying it is. Fine. No, it, it says that my connection is unstable. And the only, the only thing that's changed today what? is that they've sent a loaner. Um, a... Oh, I do not know what they've sent her. You have cut out. We'll see if this continues. We may yeah, have to... a oh. router box, like <laughs> different router box. Right. OK, I got that. I just about got that. You may have to get the other router box back. We seem to be stable for quite a while there. But yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that we, we kept it all the way up until that point. Am I in now? You're in now. You're in now. Let me just close about a million windows. But <laughs> yes, you do the same as me, which is have, you know, several windows open at one time. So, yeah, I leave. I, I don't close things until I'm a million percent done with them. So I'm going to close a few million oh, my, things. My bookmarks are, are amazing. I have more bookmarks than most people I know because I'm just like, I need to use that later, but I also need to turn my, my computer off bookmark. Right, okay, I, I can do that later. I spend some nights just going through the bookmarks going, have I done that yet? Right, I've got to, you know, there's that, oh, there's a degree that I was thinking about. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm hoping, is that okay now? You or seem that... okay. You seem right. okay. Good, yeah. No. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. It probably so, it, NHS and one size. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. That um, just again, it's like the the um, the depression community or the mental health communities online, and I think it, it comes down to again that you need this instant gratification. And I remember someone saying there was a joke at the end of ADHD Awareness Month, which I didn't even know last month was because it was other months as well. You know, every there's only twelve months, and we have to. You know, we've got a hundred thousand topics we need to slip I through. Think them. Many know my views on, on months like that and days uh, like that. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and they they're not too dissimilar from mine. But um, but yeah, someone had written um, as it's as and it was kind of it was as a joke. And I've never I don't know this person before. They came up because some of the other ADHDers that I know interacted with this this post and it says um as ADHDers leave it till the last minute to uh, and then and then crack on with things. It's the you know it's the last day of ADHD Awareness Month now, which means it's the first day of ADHD Awareness Month, and we'll be carrying on all through November. And I thought that was quite funny, but like literally the comments were like, "Don't speak for all of us" and all the rest of it. And I'm like, it's it's a joke. But the thing is, Twitter. This is why you and I have podcasts and streams because our personalities are attracted towards long form content, where you can do these things called nuance and context. Um. And that's the whole thing is that when you are trying to say something, this is what depression looks like. And you've got one picture is the second you say, this is what depression can look like, but it doesn't always look like this. And it may look like that. It, your post loses also a lot of its impact and generalizations. I hate them. Um, but it's like, it's like, it's like getting anyone to in, in, engage with our content. We tend to find that once we have people that are willing to engage for more than five minutes, they're willing to engage for life that, you know, it's like once they've got over that first hump of, God, these two certainly talk a lot of stuff and they don't immediately get to the point and they don't say sound bites. You know, they just they 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 dance around topics. I mean, you obviously we've got we've got a reputation for being a little bit closer to the point than I am. <laughs> but but it's like that. And I think that's the problem that the again, the internet, the way of communication through the internet has created this situation where in in order to be heard you need to and i think that's one of the reasons why you know our channels the way we are here is the full set oh you're going a bit funny again your internet's going a bit funny you can bolter. no <laughs> am i here you're here again am i here yes. no you are here again i mean I got to the end of me point i think 
you're, you're quite right. I mean, I've, I've literally just opened my, my Twitter here and I, I literally have, because of the issues with Twitter, um, I have something that says, I may respond to tweets, but I do not engage in debate on Twitter as it is fruitless on such a site. Yes. Um, and that's, that's the point, because it's literally, because the thing is, is that it's a bit, to me, it's a bit like the BBC's way of dealing with, um, with debate in that you can, you can be the ultimate expert in something, or you can understand it, or you can have more points. Um, but because there's one other person that has a point that isn't even a fucking point, but wants to say it, Twitter will show it as being equal. And the BBC do exactly the same. You know, um, Dara O'Brien makes a joke of it that you have, um, you know, someone who's a professor of dentistry for 30 years and then, you know, Mike that's got a pair of pliers and wants to take his own teeth out. BBC and, and a lot of things go, oh, well, it's equal. I mean, it's freedom of speech. So you both have the same time. No, you fucking don't. You don't. You just don't. And that's the problem with things like um, Twitter and, and everything else is that nuance is necessary. Nuance is necessary, especially in mental health. Mm -hmm. because Without nuance, you're just throwing sound bites and all you, I mean, don't get me wrong, I use sound bites, you know, turn on your light first is an obvious one. It, I have the sound bites, but you know what, I'll, I also have a fucking analogy to go with that. Yep. There's other things to go with it. And it's, you can't be simplistic, especially not about mental health, because it just, it completely shuts things off. But yeah, Twitter's awful with that. I mean, I remember I responded to someone because somebody asked me to about, um, about they were basically talking on all, uh, about something and they were talking on behalf of all autistic people. And I basically went and just went, no. Um, <laughs> and they tried to respond to me and I just blocked them. I was like, I'm, read what my fucking um, bio says. I, I'm not getting into debate with you because you've immediately, they immediately came back with, and this is where my mind gets irritated as well, because they immediately came back basically trying to, trying to attack my educational background. <laughs> This is someone who actively said that they were a master's student in their Twitter bio. I'm like, if you have to say that, I'd have no fucking time for you. I, I could give you all the letters after my name, but I don't. I mean, it's fucking pointless. It's some, that, that, to me, especially with things like Twitter, is someone that wants to have an argument. It's the, it's the same as Ben Shapiro when he, he tries to do things like that. He will make himself, he will point out, oh, well, I did this. No, I don't fucking care. I'll bring up my, my education background if somebody ask me and I'll talk about it if it's relevant to the situation but if you're putting it out there immediately as this I you must listen to me because of this fuck off I literally have a, a command on my um twitch that says I'm doing this but I am not an expert mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's the point of view I'm going to listen to more so yeah I, short form things like that twitter can be very helpful for certain things and it can be very helpful for maybe a, a quick boost to someone but when it comes to any kind of debate, you can't have it because it just shuts everyone down. We've seen people that just get shut down who are who are making very good points because someone wants to talk and um, make a joke or to do something and it's just shut down. And yeah. it's, it's the problem is you that person wasn't trying to talk on behalf of all people with ADHD. He was trying to make a joke. But of course, because he only got 150 or whatever characters, he couldn't make a joke, um, even though that's how people saw it and that's the problem but i had a similar kind of moment um when i, I commented on one of um papa glitch's posts the other day because papa glitch is recently or chris as uh chris purchase as he was occasionally known um was um was recently diagnosed with adhd and from a background of being bipolar and the same like you know his and my brains were quite similar actually i found 
um, which was one of the things that really led me into exploring it for myself. But he, it was when we all got, a bunch of us got access to follower remotes a few days ago. Well, I haven't. What the fuck? I know. That's why I said, that's why I, said, I was about to say, I said we all, and then I realized that you've not said it yet. So, yeah. so a bunch of us. Because I call you out on your bullshit so often, and the fact you're so bad with mental health, Twitch. <laughs> so, I'm on YouTube and Spotify now, so fuck you, Twitch. So <laughs> Papa Glitch was like, Papa Glitch was like, how do I, I'm bearing in mind that when I say, you know, Chris Purchase, he, that was, his name as a stand-up comedian um so he's got a background as a stand-up comedian and he basically said um how do i get these emotes now, now my brain's saying how do i get these emotes done before we stream at midday and i replied to it saying more a underscore h and less um underscore d underscore d so it's so basically more attention hyperactivity and less deficit disorder and um, so basically it's it works in written format more obviously because you have to you can see the adhd on the screen uh, and i thought is that really insensitive are people going to get the fact that this is a joke and like that people don't really come to me for jokes it's not really kind of like my thing so people are going to think well why don't you just why don't you just you know when people say adhd is a superpower it's like you know it's it's it yeah would be if i could turn it on when i want it and turn it off when i don't you know, it's like, I'd love to have it. I'd, I'd love to have the deficit disorder part when I'm trying to sleep and the hyperactivity disorder part of it when I'm trying to work. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so and I'm like, and then I literally posted, I'm like, shall I delete this? And, blah, 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 blah. and then I just overthought it and I just walked away from my phone for a bit. But it's like, it's yeah, Twitter's just, the problem I have with Twitter is that you need to know who the person is that's speaking and like you know and then that's why some you see so many arguments on it it's like well get the context on this and it's like well to get the context on this i need to go and read the bios of every single person that's in this argument then look at their tweet history tell tell whether these people are sarcastic or not tell whether these people are sincere or not and it's like i can't so as a result you get in my you, that's why you well you, that, i try not to give hot takes on it you know like i try to give hot takes if if I know the person and the annoying thing is as well I tend to give them more when I disagree with the person than when I agree with the person because what's the point of being an echo chamber really oh yeah I mean it's given a this brush generalization to a lot of things where with some things it has brush generalizations have been helpful but at the same time they completely cut certain people out of the argument because they do not work in that way of thinking Mm -hmm. I'm thinking mainly about a lot of different issues, including mental health, with Gen X and baby boomers and the silent generation that they simply do not understand the idea of those generalizations being a necessity for some people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when when they say about um, what a, a specific generalization, a specific generalization isn't really a generalization There's actually a message behind it. But the generalization motivates people. But then you have someone that's actually in charge of changing that going, well, you're generalizing, so we're not going to listen to you. And that, that's the problem. And, and again, it works the other way because because of that, you then get other people going, well, no, we're not generalizing and you have to listen to us. And you didn't listen to us when we didn't make um, these comments. And it's like, yeah, but the problem is, is there's no fucking in between anymore. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing is that you all know what you're saying and you all know what you, you're saying. And you may even fucking agree, but you both hate each other because of the way that you're saying it. And mm -hmm. that's the problem. <laughs> it's, you, that, and that, that's the problem with so many things like this is that you can agree wholeheartedly with someone, but still really fucking hate the way they're, they're talking because you don't know that they're agreeing with you. 
How many times have any of us had an argument with someone and then got to the end of the argument and gone, how oh, fuck, we agree actually on this? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you're just coming in from completely different points of view. Uh, completely different references. It's a bit like, um, oh God, I can never say the guy's name. Anyone that knows it, feel free to leave it below if anyone wants to comment. And even if you've made it this far, well done. But, um, you know, when we talk about the idea that even if a, a lion could understand and speak English, you would never understand each other. Because the points of reference and the development of language for each of us, even in different countries, let alone a different species, are so wildly different that even if somebody, something or someone is using the same language as you, it doesn't make any sense. It's just gobbledygook. There's actually been some art projects on this of what other languages sound like to certain languages. And Ooh. there is one that someone's done and they are speaking English in it. They are speaking English, but they're talking complete nonsense. But to this person who is, I think it was a Norwegian or, or Icelandic, they said that that's how you sound. But to us, that's just that that's a normal conversation to our ears. And that's the point that that's how it gets. That, that That's the thing is that if your context and your background is completely separate, then you're never going to understand each other, even though you're both speaking English. Think I've always wanted to know what English sounds like. As, oh, as a foreign language i will try, uh, try and find it but it's like i i i have friend, friends that are norwegian i have friends that are Icelandic, finnish and i always say they sound like bill and ben <laughs> in my ears that is you know um so you are beautiful in faroese is tuish verkel now i've anyone that's faroese i'm sorry um but it's it's that up and down and bill and ben are it's that so that's okay, how it sounds but, to me but in liverpool we have this thing called that i call sung scouse and i don't think anybody else has ever picked up on this and or even realizes it because whenever i say it people are like oh my god we do talk like that and it has this little rhythm that goes so for example what do you think you're doing yeah. where's me fucking trainees like and my sisters like sorry sisters they're not listening it's fine um, like the, my, my sisters still but they never left Anfield you see so they still talk like that like oh I was down there on the weekends you know it's like it has it has this very almost like it's like a haiku you know a, a, a scouse coup I don't know, like, but um I've always wondered what ours sounds like to other languages because like the thing is you can give characteristics to other languages so like german sounds aggressive to us um you well, know it's, it's um the whole thing about i love you isn't it yeah. i love you um ich liebe dich it's, yeah. it's, it sounds <laughs> to our ears sounds harsh you know yeah and to them it sounds delightful but like but then it's like it's you know it's you've got um in in french it sounds more romantic in italian it sounds more kind of um it like energetic or it's, it's got that sort of again this sing-songy tone to it and then english just sounds boring to our ears so it's like you know you're not listening you're not listening to it through like you know we often say about filtering things through different lenses and the way we look at things but you're not you're listening through filters as well the filter that you've grown up with yeah exactly it's like i can't hear one of the particular sounds in russian and i can't so i can't recreate it yeah uh, no thank you <laughs> being off a coffee <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's it's a, it's a true thing that even even to and even if we don't even talk in terms of generations or or the way that people interact like that, it is very hard for people in in different parts of England to understand the way that people talk. Not even just by accents, but simply reference points of simple things that yes. you might do on on a Friday night, for instance. And the, the the thing that comes to me is 
probably a bit normal, a bit more normal now. But if I go back to the 90s, if you'd have, and I know this is going to sound stupid, but it, it, it still goes to my point of curry sauce on chips does not, it did not fucking exist in the South. It just didn't. <laughs> and then I moved, I moved to the Midlands because I lived in, um, in Leek in Staffordshire for quite a while. And, um, you know, I worked in a chip shop and curry on chips. That was normal, but it's fucking weird. Steak, steak and kidney pudding on chips is a weird thing in the South. So but cool. again, as you start to move up, it's weird. And it's just, it's these things. And then the further north you go, you have to start battering things. Oh, yeah. I don't mean beating them up. I mean, I've got a bat here. Um, It's like you have to to have a battered sausage or a battered burger. Um, And not a batten burger, a battered burger. I mean, if you go to Scotland, you've got to batter the pizza from last night. Um, (laughs) But our battered battered Mars bars. (laughs) But I mean, this is... Battered cream eggs. um, I I actually got bored once when I worked in a chip shop and we started battering random um, chocolate bars. Um, The best one is a bounty, which I know people won't like. I can, um, I can, I can get that. But, um, but the thing is, is that it's even simple references about food on a Friday night that you might have a chip shop do not make sense to each other. So how in the name of fuck are we expecting mass policy changes to make sense to each other in our own country, yep. let alone anything else? I mean, I find myself being relatively um, good at interacting with different generations um when we talk about certain things and the reason for that being my mother and father are um generationally of the silent generation they're born during the second world war i have brothers and sisters that were um born and make them gen x's as as, sorry make them boomers i have boomers brother and sisters i also have um sisters and one brother who are gen x i am then generationally uh, millennial and then i have nieces and nephews and everything that are gen z and i've interacted and trained them so i I have a spectrum of being brought up by the silent generation in a time period for a millennial with sisters and brothers who were boomers and Gen X. So my perspective on things is a complete mix. So it does mean that sometimes I will say things that sound incredibly harsh to people that are younger than me because they come from the boomer. But then I say things that are, that are kind of then sarcastically aggressive. Gen X in. Then I just say things that just sound fucking weird and no one knows what the hell's going on. Millennial. You know, that's, yeah. uh, or, or things that are very kind of, you know, you should, that are very capitalist and very kind of, and that's silent generation. But that's how I've been brought up. And that's, I'm, I'm in that position because of the, the, the age of my parents and because yeah. of how I've been brought up. That isn't the case for everyone to understand. And I don't necessarily understand and get all generations, but I have a maybe a slight advantage with it. So the idea that we can just do it because, oh, well, I've said this on Twitter, you should just understand and immediately change it. It's, it's yes. created this thing, this idea that I, I've heard so many times and I've, I heard on TikTok a lot as well, is that anyone over a certain age shouldn't be allowed to vote because they're not the generation that's going to be there for. Well, firstly, you're not a doctor, you don't know how old that person's going to be. You, somebody, if you're saying that someone in their 70s um, shouldn't have a vote. Well, what if they live to 120? Yeah. 50 years of their life that you're saying they can't vote for, and you might be 23, meaning that it's the same amount of time until your perceived time of death. So <laughs> that's nonsensical. Um, yeah. So, but people still have that um, viewpoint because all they see are short clips on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter of what that person said, and they never know the full comment and full perspective of that person. There's so yeah. many older people that literally will say the younger generation are the, the people we should listen to and this and that and the other. And that's just on general things. So this snapshot that we have through Twitter is really damaging. 
yeah i mean i think the one the one i think the one thing i've got is that i've i've grown up a lot enough to know to to know that what i thought i understood when i was 16 actually some of it was right some of it was good some of it was ahead of its time and a lot of it was just youth and hubris and <laughs> and me thinking i understood things better than the you know whatever we call the boomers at the time and it's um well, it's, boomers. <laughs> well yeah exactly um and this is why i i i fought back um one of the biggest reasons i think i i i kind of slowed my own progress in the online mental health industry is i fought back against um a particularly sort of queen bee-ish type person who's the head of something called the mental health media charter who was promoting the use of the phrase boomer and she was like i love this if an older person just doesn't understand what we're talking about we just say okay boomer and we walk off and i'm like isn't that like them saying okay snowflake and walking off on you because i'm saying that your opinion's invalid and um and it's, it's just I can't understand the hypocrisy of, our, of both sides of it really is like, you know, the younger generation thinking that older people are boomers and therefore irrelevant and don't understand things. Um, and the and the older generation thinking that these kids don't know how good they've got it and like and therefore they don't understand things and they've not they don't know they're born and all the rest of it. And it's when in reality, it's like we basically the way I see it is if I expect someone to listen to me, then I expect that I should listen to them. And that seems like the most commonsensical thing on the face of the planet and i was like so i argued with this woman about the idea that um like i don't think she should be promoting people using that phrase in that way because it's as disrespectful to the older generation as saying snowflake is to the younger generation she argued back saying well no because one's about the time in life that they are and the other one's about them being a snowflake and therefore not able to look after their mental health. And I'm like, yeah, but the, the connotations of boomer is irrelevancy. It's the fact that you're using this as a way to decide that all older people, well, they're just out of touch with it. And this has gone on forever. And it's like, there was an article, I think, in the New York Post or New York Times last week that talked about um, that 37-year-olds are afraid of their 22-year-old employees or whatever, because they're being made to feel like they're irrelevant or they don't understand anything on they're not cool and i'm just like you know what i'm i'm really really glad at this exact moment in time that i cared about being cool in high school and i got bullied for the fact that i wasn't i'm actually glad of this because now i'm not letting my like my eldest the other day i did this i may have seen this the um the thumbnail i did for the squid game thing like we've done squid game um about gambling addiction in squid game and the thumbnail i've basically taken like the doll from squid game and put my face over it and one of the guards and put my co-host's face over it and all the rest of it and um sam was just like oh just no why do you put things like these my eldest he's like why do you put things like this out it's so embarrassing i was just like first of all it's not and secondly uh, i don't need your validation in order to do things i mean historically i probably would have done and i'd have really looked to my particularly my kids to the, to validate the work that i do but i don't need my kids or gen z to or anyone below that to think i'm cool in order to do what i'm doing i'm not trying to be cool and um and the thing is why do we think like why do we think that you know certain people get to decide whether you're cool or not let's just say let's just stop trying to decide if people are cool that, that we get to say that call the shots on everyone else of whether they're cool or not they might be cool as far as their generation is concerned um and let's let's again let's not do this whole thing and that say that they don't understand they very much the young people very much do understand that the world that they are living in they very much do understand the reality of a day-to-day -day of 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 being on their phones 100 percent of the time and not being able to escape like i i really thought when i was on holiday recently i was so glad that i grew up before phones not 
without a phone before phones very clear distinction because if i'd have grown up when phones were a thing and i didn't have one yeah maybe i'd be better off mentally we don't know but i'd feel left out and I, and because everyone else has got one there'd be a pressure there that wasn't there how when i was a kid you? how old were you when you got your first mobile 16 yeah i was 15 yeah, yeah. Is, so, is thing. yeah it is that as you go <laughs> yes back back before oh god but it was it was 1999 no 2000 sorry 2000 it would have been yeah year 2000 is when i got my first phone jeez jeez yeah. for, for some people are now legally able to drink in america <laughs> which is just wrong it's just fucking wrong um but yeah it is it is that it is that thing that we 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 reflect ourselves now it's weird for me because i i it's a weird word but i present as younger generally the bleach blonde hair kind the of blonde hair. Um, <laughs> but even even before the blonde hair people always mistake me as younger so i, I it is all it is always weird because i don't get the same the same responses sometimes um but i still i i think as i've got older i've stopped caring yes um after my wife passed away as well i really don't give a fuck so i think that's it's very i imagine it's very hard to give a fuck about much else after that well yeah and i think that's actually weird enough being the thing that's helped me in terms of promotion of mental better mental health and actually probably the reason that i have a community because of the fact that i don't interact in that stuff i just gonna go fuck you i don't care um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't get into arguments. You occasionally see people having beef on Twitch. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. I'm fine. And it, people are always like, wait, but we, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Fuck off. And I'm done. You know, it's, so I, I think that has probably, probably helped me, but it is that weird thing about um, g- generational stuff and the way that we interact with people is, is fucked. I mean, we've been taught when people have a look at, you know, younger people or younger people look at older people or anything like that. It's never through the right lens. It's never through the right lens. How many people have a go about a certain generation? How many people had a go about millennials, which we are, which is always, it's, it's always weird to think that we're not the youngest generation anymore. It's, it still hurts. But, you know, <laughs> I remember, and the weird thing for me is how out of touch some people are by still calling Gen Z millennials. Um, <laughs> you know, and you get people that would write articles about how um, we were, you know, because it's weird because we now seem to be, I remember millennials being blamed for both sides. So originally we were violent and aggressive, and now we're snowflakes. And you're like, make your fucking mind up. Because originally I am we both. Like, now. Well, yeah. like <laughs> within, um, I remember in the '90s, especially, um, and going into the 2000s, we had people writing about, oh, well, they're so violent. And this, and I'm going, wait a minute, your age group. Yeah, you were the people that were going down with bicycle chains down to Brighton Pier and kicking the shit out of each other, right? That was your generation. So what's the point you're trying to make? And now that we've now we've turned into the um the snowflakes that want um you know better healthcare or better mental health. I'm like, which one is it? And and that's the problem is generally when anybody uses the word generation, all it actually means is what can we hit you with? You know, oh, well, you're too young to understand. You're too old to understand. You've been out of the workforce too long. Yes, it's, it's all those things are are things to hit you with. They don't actually mean anything. They're just easier ways of hitting you. And so that's why I never like to really get to grips with them because there are plenty of people in there. There are, there are plenty of people. I remember because I, I was part of a Votes for 16 campaign. Um, I didn't realize I was until I was on the poster, but I, I do believe in it. So um what was most amusing about it is actually a leaflet. What's most amusing about it is because when they when they took the picture, I was eighteen. Um, 
but I I had spiky red hair. So um oh that one. Yes. Uh, you looked like you were from some 41. Yes. Yes. Literally <laughs> that picture in fact. That actual picture. Um so <laughs> Yeah, the thing that I said about that when people have said it to me, I was like, oh, well, why? And, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, no, 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 there are plenty of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that I do not, that I would rather didn't vote. And there's plenty of 16 year olds I would rather fucking vote on their behalf. If your argument is that they don't know anything, well, actually, at school now, you're more likely to get maybe a citizenship lesson, maybe some sociology, some law. That did not happen when they were there. And their viewpoint has not changed. It's like when I used to do canvassing for a political party. You would get people that go, I am Labour, I've always been Labour. Or I'm Conservative, I've always been Conservative. That's fantastic. However, it's not the same party it was back in 1972. It's mm-hmm. completely different. You went, I mean, Labour went through the longest suicide night in, suicide night in history during the 80s. Um, it went into Tony Blair. Did you vote for them at both times? Because those were not the same fucking policies. So, but people like to like to kind of do it as that. Um, but it, it is really weird when when you get things like that. It is so strange um, because people just like to to have something to to kind of batter you with, rather than any kind of real notion of what's really going on. And it's it's oh, it's just damaging as hell. It's just so damaging. And I think we all do need to listen to each other's points of views more. But by saying you don't understand because you're this, it immediately tries to exclude the person from the table. And it's like, you're not going to say, probably a better way of saying that is like, you know, could you just for a second try and put yourself in our position and see why you might think this, you know, if you were coming in from our point of view, might be a better way of saying this rather than you don't understand because you're not in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't like either, but I like your. <laughs> well, I mean, that was like a, that was an off the top of my head. I, kind I, I'm of. well aware. I, <laughs> like, I've, you know, I've not rallied it round with the rest of the, with, with the rest of the party yet. I think <laughs> it gets damaging whenever you try and. I think getting somebody to think like you or understand your point of view never works when you make them real. When you are trying to make them think that they're wrong, even without you really thinking you're doing it. As in, yeah. if you're saying to someone, well, you, you know, if, if someone has, um, has worked in mines all their life and you're saying to someone that has been, um, you know, born into money, well, you'd never understand unless you would bet down the mines for 30 years. Well, the person with money is going to go, maybe I wouldn't, fuck you, I don't care. In exactly the same way as the other way around, you know. Well, you wouldn't understand unless you had to look after all these um, these estates and do this and that and the other. Well, no, I wouldn't. You fucking rich bastard. Fuck. You know, it, everyone does. Everyone does that with their own background. You know, we do it in terms of martial arts. Well, you wouldn't understand unless you've done it for this long. Yeah, but I don't want to do it for that long. Fuck you. You just teach me better. You know, it's that kind of. Everyone has a version of it, and I think the second you try and make it that they need to understand you is when we lose people. But the problem is, without nuance, that gets harder and harder to do. Yeah. How do you respond to someone that's saying something by saying, no, you need to know where I'm coming from without saying it in 150 words and it ever being listened to? Yeah, I mean, the the policy, the policy, the standpoint, not policy, when did I become a politician? I'm definitely not. Um, The standpoint I take on it is, is, um, is that basically if someone else says that something's difficult, except that it is, it's quite simple it might it might occasionally mean that i would believe someone saying something's difficult that isn't um i'm okay with the wool being pulled over my eyes occasionally i'm okay with a little bit of egg on my face um rather than i'd literally rather someone kind of tell me something's difficult for them when it isn't and believe them than invalidate them and say nah you know i i 
Yeah, you'd rather be human than Piers Morgan, I think is what we're saying. <laughs> um, weren't we supposed to have a conversation where we were supposed to, just, uh, I was supposed to defend Piers Morgan or something? I don't think I can, but... I will say this again until someone watching this fucking finds it. Piers Morgan, if you want to talk about mental health with someone that is prepared to actually answer back, which we know you won't because we saw what happened when your weatherman said one word, you spineless cunt. But bring it the fuck on. I will happily appear on your network, that GB News, Fox News wannabe bullshit, tomorrow morning. Bring it the fuck on. Anyway. Um, yeah, and that, he will. <laughs> <laughs> He's you know, not actually, just saying this for a performance. I've actually, I've, you know, I've actually had, um, I actually had, um, that actually goes on the point. I had a thing with someone else. I had a friend a few years ago that actually got angry with me because I wasn't lying about what I would or could do basically because I just told them the truth which you know because of certain um diagnosis I, I might have I tend to just blurt things out like that and um I, you know if it's relevant to a situation I will just talk about it and they got annoyed with me when they started to learn that what I told them was true and I was like how the fuck is that and they were like because people lie people make stuff up people exaggerate <laughs> stuff and I was like so you're angry with me because I didn't exaggerate what I'd done the fuck is the matter with you? And, it's, and again, it goes to the point of we, me and me and that person, same age group, um, same generation, brought up in the same part of the country, went to the same university, did not understand each other because of um, the interactions we've had with other people. I think yeah. I'd quite like at least certain parts of your life to be an exaggeration. Um, <laughs> like the number, your qualifications at set or the number of things that you do at the same time or the different jobs that you've had for lengths of time I'd, I'd like some of those things to be a, uh, an exaggeration but that's literally just so i can feel better about myself <laughs> as a human that you know Why you being three yourself? years younger than me i've not quite achieved as many different things like everything i've pretty much achieved like you know in most areas of life you've done better um in a shorter space of time i've never <laughs> fought in thailand you know well, that, yeah but that yeah but this is the thing right i explained this to americans once because um my not about fighting in thailand but i'm going to use the same analogy i used to them which is they were like um in fact it was specifically when i was on um, jd.st's stream or he was on mine and he was talking about the fact that because i'm from liverpool he's like have you ever been to the cavern i'm like of course i've been to the cavern i've actually played at the cavern i've, I've you know my band the gigged at the cavern and he's like oh my god that must be so wild and, uh, and all the rest of it and i'm like not really it's actually not that difficult to do you just need to say i would like to play here and they say how many people can you bring and you say 10 and they say okay um and that's the same in, with in fighting in thailand you literally when you're over there all you have to do is say i want to do a fight and they're like oh we can have a farang fighting <laughs> it's, it's yeah. set up two weeks later it's not hard it's not like i didn't have to achieve that i just had to ask for that but uh, then, same as playing at the cavern so my argument would be i am studying so anyone's wondering what the hell's going on i study several degrees at the same time for them i had an application together and they accepted me and i'm studying there i've you know, okay, I have I have um, degree, master's degree previously that I have achieved, but at the same time, these ones I'm doing at the moment, so they're not achieved. I, I applied and I'm studying them. There's no, there's no. Yes, but they will be achieved, won't they? Yeah, <laughs> at some point. I always like because people always get confused because um, people always talk about qualifications I have. I'm like, yes, I do have qualifications, but the ones you're talking about of me having several whatever, 
I'm doing them at the moment. And that's the point. I'm not, they're not, they're not actually there right now. I'm doing them right now. Like they're over a long period of time. If anyone ever wants to do a degree, by the way, I would suggest the open university, you get 16 years to do a degree. Um, I'm doing my next one. <laughs> but but that, that's the thing is that um, you're comparing yourself to, to, to somebody else according to what they have done in a certain time. And the thing is, is that people find it impressive. Oh, you're doing degrees at the same time. And my response to that is, but it saves time. That's the only difference, because in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing that because I wouldn't want to do it and waste time in, a, in, in another way. So actually, for me, it's the exact opposite of achieving it. It's like, well, I need to because that way I, I do it quicker and I can do something else. And that with jobs. Yeah, I've done different jobs. It's because I do them at the same time. Yeah, I didn't realize that at first, though. So it was only when, when we met in Manchester and you told me that. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have, like I say, I, I have degrees and qualifications otherwise. Um, that I did first time round and I, I, I did teach. But I mean, between my undergrads and my first master's, I had quite a lot of time off and I was teaching in secondary schools for a couple of years. Um, so it's, you know, it's, yeah. You yeah. Get, <laughs> and I, I do jobs at the same time. Like when I was teaching, I was also teaching self-defense at the same time I was teaching in secondary schools and I was doing other things. But that's because why not use the time there? But then again, this is, this is um, different mindsets because... I don't sleep that much. And so I just go, well, I've got time now. I'll just do that job instead. Well, I've got, I can just do that instead. Like when I was at university, I had enough money during my second year because my first year I was, wor I was working from 8 a.m. till uh, two o'clock as a cleaner. And then from three o'clock until 11 p.m., I was the receptionist at the same place. Um, so I just went home, changed into a suit and came back out again. But I just did that. for I was working 100 something hours a week because I had mm -hmm. time. But that's the same as me doing degrees or doing jobs at the same time is that I just it, it, it doesn't present a problem for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that, that's the thing. I think that's the thing for anybody um, when it comes to comparing yourself. Because I, and again, I think the video came out this week where I talk about the fact that so many of us, when we're looking at depression, go, but I don't deserve to have this because there's so many other people that are worse off than me. Oh, I hate that so much. Um, what never happens, I've seen, is that never nobody ever seems to look at it the other way around. Because there are plenty of people that are better off than you that think exactly the same thing. So for someone else, you are the one that deserves to have depression when they are the one that doesn't. Yep. So for every person that you think is below you in some way in terms of their financial stability their um their job um their relationships whatever there's somebody above you thinking exactly the same thing of you so why not remind yourself that for someone else you are the one that deserves it instead of reminding yourself that you are the one that doesn't because you're better off than somebody else it doesn't make sense oh yeah totally and also you wouldn't expect anybody else to be like that if that argument that if, if that if you have to be in the worst position in the world in order to be depressed there's only one person out of 8.5 billion that's allowed to be depressed but it's um we don't we don't put those standards on everybody else some people do because i've obviously had to answer the whole what does that person have to be depressed about conversation and um, usually you know, men in their sixties um, asking me that question, but not always. But like, um, my response is generally, "You, you fucking ignorant." <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but that's the thing is, um, is I've, I've, I often tell this story about the fact that sometimes, like, you know, the people that we think are the least vulnerable to depression actually could be the most because people think that if everyone's got all of their Maslow's hierarchies of needs 
met, then they won't be depressed. Yeah, depression is a clinical thing as well. Like that sometimes that doesn't matter how many of your needs are met, it's still there. And actually to the person who is, I'm not by any way saying that it's better off to be working class than it is to be a billionaire or whatever. But um, just again, see it through the billionaire's eyes, eyes for a second. I'm not a billionaire, therefore I can, I'm not trying to get you to see it from, I'm only a seven, no, I'm, not, I'm only a cabillionaire. But um, but if you see it from the billionaire's point of view, it's the the, the person who's struggling to like, you know, got, got the bills paid, but would love to be able to like maybe save up a little bit so they could maybe take the kids on a holiday once every few years or whatever it might be. That person can often have the perspective of, well, if I just knuckle down at work or if I just do this or if I can just get that promotion, things will be better. Um, and they might be wrong because they might actually get those things in, not be better. But the thought and the belief that things could get better is the actual thing that's given the power there. Mm. When a person is has all of their needs absolutely met, and then like they've got, you know, financially they're sorted, they've got the house, they've got maybe got the family, they've maybe got the job that they wanted and all the rest of it. If that person still finds themselves completely utterly crippled through depression, they're like, well, now what? I don't what if I've got all of this. And then more to the point is other people around them would be like, well, what have you got to be depressed about? When if they feel invalidated, if they try and open up to somebody. And this was this, this was what I said to this one guy who said to me, he was um he's like he was a Scottish guy and he's like he's like he talked about his, his next door neighbor who was a dentist who took his own life and he's like this guy's a dentist you know he's got all the money in the world what's he got to be unhappy about and I was just like there's more to life than just your situation You're like don't get me wrong if someone's situation is off if someone's situation is unmanageable, if a person doesn't have a house over their head or doesn't know how they're going to keep a house over their head or doesn't know how they're going to feed their kids, um, if they're at that stage in things, then yes, significantly more vulnerable to depression. But if what it's like that hockey stick thing that once it gets to a certain point, wealth doesn't equal happiness. Once it once it accounts for like your basics, your basic needs and a little bit to play with, after that point it increases in wealth don't equal ha more happiness and sometimes they actually equal a drop off also a, a complete misunderstanding of depression because depression has more than one background one of them is a a, chemi a, a chemical imbalance so it doesn't matter how, who the fuck you are at what point what money you have what money you don't have what it, it, you have a chemical imbalance that's yeah. not everyone but for some people that is it so it literally doesn't matter at all but it's it's so weird when you when you think about it in terms of money at what point does someone have to have more money? Like, so if you've got, if you're on 36,000 a year, which is a supposedly is the average wage in the UK, it fucking isn't. Um, I'm not. <laughs> the, the, the reason, but, but my wife is, so it's all right. <laughs> the reason that 36, the, the reason that 36,000 is the average is because you also include people like Roman Abramovich. <laughs> um, if you actually did a proper one, I think it's, it worked out as about 20,000. But the thing is, if you're on 36,000 and you're like, well, I, I, I'm okay, but you know, my next door neighbor on, on, um, 50,000 doesn't need to be depressed. Okay, well, what about the next door neighbor that's on um, 37,000? Are, are, they, are they worthy enough to be depressed? What about 38,000? What about 38,500? At what point is your cutoff? Yeah, yeah, totally. Why, why do you create that? It's, it's such a weird thing that people um, think of it like that. It's when it comes to the idea, I mean, if you look in terms of, um, you know, noblery, which is theoretically still a thing in the UK and lords and ladies and all that, don't many talk them, to me about lords. <laughs> many of them that lost their lost their their um lost their their seats in parliament, but sorry in in the lords, um, but didn't lose their um their actual titles. 
they have houses that they can't afford to fucking heat. They have houses that they kind of, most of them have now ended up going um, down the route of like, we'll offer you weddings. But of course, to anybody else, well, your Lord's Grantham. Yeah, but that means I have no fucking money. You know, most people that are middle class actually tend to have more money than the people that are in the upper class. It's just that people in the upper class talk nicer you know that's and, it. and and have to show that they have more money which yes. leads, leads them to have less exactly it's that thing i mean there's actually um there's actually a um a twilight zone episode where someone there's two people in in a club and one of them never shuts the fuck up it's me basically but, oh, uh, me. but, but <laughs> that person has money worries and everyone knows they have money worries um and then there's one person basically says look if you can shut up for a year i'll give you five hundred thousand dollars um, and the, the end of the episode, but effectively you find out that the person never had the money. They never had the money, but they just had to say it because they were in this club and they had to show that they had money and they, they couldn't be on the same level as this person who was broke, you know, because they were the better. And it's, it's nonsense. People always show what they need you to see because a lot of it is um, on our idea of our own self-worth as well. And it's, that's where we start to go really wrong. And we, we start to mess things up because we, we're assuming of um, what people see. Um, this is where one of your, uh, one of the ones that you like to use, I, I think actually messes up a little bit, um, which is the looking glass self. Oh yeah, it's not mine. <laughs> I know it's not yours, but I know you, you like it, but the looking glass self doesn't account for a wider perspective. Um, it's one of the main criticisms of it. It only accounts really for friends and family. If you yeah. actually look into the research, it doesn't account for everyone else. But the thing is, especially in, a, in the world of YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, Actually, most people are far more likely to present themselves according to complete strangers than potentially they are to friends, family, and everyone else. So it's, that's where it's problematic because you don't see what someone really is. You never see what someone really is. Um, you know, and I've said this about Twitch and, and YouTube and everything like that is, I do not care how much you want to tell me that you're that person. I don't give a fuck how much you tell me you're, no, you're not. Because you, so are you different than who you are on Twitch then? Yes. I've met you in real life. You seem pretty similar. And at what point do you think behind um, a mask I wear that I'm a massive, um, massively depressed and suffer from everything else? Well, I know that. Oh, yeah, but that being said, I know that about you. Yeah, you know that about me because I've said it, but you never see it. Everyone gives a mask to what they are in some way. And Twitch and YouTube and whatever show it because we show it to everyone else. I had the same conversation with Papa Paws, actually. <laughs> On, well, not actual conversation. He was in my stream a couple of days ago. And I said that basically, I think that I said that people are different the second that there's more than one person in front of them. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, as you're saying, people don't show 100% of themselves to anybody. Um, but I said, you know, and everyone in a lot, well, not everyone, but everyone in chat was like, no, nah, I'm exactly the same. And it's, I've, I've honestly, I've seen this through my entire life without exception is that my best friends who I know the most about the second that there's three people in the conversation, there are subtle changes. And I think it comes down to neurodivergence again. We, we I think we pick, like they, they say, I mean, with, with, like they say again, generalizing about autism, they don't pick up on social cues. Some people with autism are hypersensitive about it. People with ADHD are often hypersensitive about it. If you're a highly sensitive, person which is often used as a bloody pseudonym for autistic it's like it's you do you notice individual little things in a person and start and, and and pick up on little things that most people aren't even aware of and i again i am like maybe that's just me being very very sensitive to the changes in people around me but i notice that when you're a second you've got more than one person in front of you people start to act differently absolutely i think you, we, we all present a version of ourselves because 
as said, we want we we see ourselves through the eyes of those that watch us, and if we and that's why we are not the same person. You know, it's a, the, the thing is is that it was used for as a meme for a long ass time, but no one ever um, ascribed it as the same thing. What my mother thinks I do, what my yes. friends thinks I think I do, what my colleagues think. That's exactly the same fucking thing. You're literally admitting to the fact that you are something different to everybody. Now, if you're something different to everybody, which one of you is not seeing the true you? You don't. You just don't. And I know there's plenty of people that go, no, I know. I know, I know the people. Wabba says it all the time. I am. No, you're not. No one is. No one is the same on, uh, on, in real life as they are on screen. No one is. And that's why I actively tell people in my Twitch chat that I am an arsehole because I get, so, I get really irritated. So I, I, one of the things that I get so irritated by is when people call me wholesome. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm fucking not. I'm not wholesome. But because, you are so not. <laughs> the way that, but the thing is, is that, that people are automatically at a disposition, but they think, oh, well, if someone's nice, they must be this. And that's why, I, I, that's why I've always said about, for myself anyway, because I can only really speak for me, is that I am that... Um, that monk in a suit because I fit all the things that should be one thing and I do not fit the other thing. You know, mm. if someone comes into my stream, you can, uh, and they want to be a troll against someone that's mindful and all that kind of stuff. Well, they can see the singing bowl in the background. They can see the incense in the backgrounds. They can see, oh, well, he's, he's red. Oh, and, and oh, the blonde hair, he's going to be some kind of hippy dippy person. Yeah, we can do that. And then they come across me and just go, what the fuck just happened? Because it's not the same. Because <laughs> no one is. You can present certain things about yourself. It's the same, same way you can like Coldplay at the same time you like ACDC. You know, you aren't the same person depending on where you are and what you're doing. You know, you're completely different to your friends and family and colleagues. And so many people think that they are the same. But the thing is, I think we, we mask it from ourselves. Most people that mask it from everyone else also mask it from ourselves that we are that different person. Because the thing that I think has been created with that is that if we say that, what most of your chat, including Papa and everyone else, was probably hearing, and again, we talked about this earlier, is that you hear what you expect someone to say, not what they're actually saying, is mm. they hear, oh, you're two-faced. That's what everyone's hearing. Everyone's hearing, oh, you mean I'm two-faced. I'm not showing you because I'm, I'm really actually could be asked. Oh, that's what you mean. It's not what we're saying at all in any way, but that's what people want to hear. That's what people have been taught is the appropriate response. So that's what they immediately hear. And so that's why people get defensive because it's when what we're saying is you're complex and you are more than just a simple reflection. They hear, oh, I'm a two-faced cunt. And you're like, that's not, that's not what I fucking said, is it? That's not what I said. In the same way that when I, I, I've, I've taught in terms of, um, of mental health, uh, not in mental health, sorry, completely different, in terms of uh, martial arts and self-defense, I've, I've taught things that are there to mess with someone's rhythm if you're in, um, a, in a certain interaction. So, you know, if someone's, um, it's why often when somebody offers you a drink, when, if, you know, if someone's really angry with you and about to start fighting, you're just like, you know, well, I'm a complete cunt, mate. Do you want a drink? it ends the fight because it, it completely cuts off their yep. flow because they, that's not what they expect to happen. Their yeah. mind goes that you're about to have a go at them. You're about to respond a certain way because you're, you know, especially with either of us, because we're both six two, you know, broad guys. That's what they expect. Oh, it's a big guy. It's going to be a fight. And we go, sorry, mate, do you want a drink? And it cut it off because it ends it because they go, well, wait a minute. Well, that's, that doesn't, that doesn't fit. Yeah. And so of course, what people are expecting when you say, you know, you are different people, is they are replacing what you say with something else. And because you're, you're 
continuing then with the conversation, they're stuck that that's what you said. They're not getting to anywhere else. Even though it's not what you said, that's what they hear. That's always what they hear, especially with things like Twitch, because Twitch has a reputation of being very two-faced. It has that. So does YouTube. They have that thing of like, oh, you're, you know, you've got a lot of people that are actually really nasty people behind the screens and things like this, or they're trying to do this, that, and the other. And then people get really confused and they just, it doesn't fit with what their narrative is because they've created their own narrative. So yeah, no, I am, I am of the fact that you are not yourself even when you step out of your own door. You know, <laughs> if you are yourself when you step out of your own door, how long did you take to pick out what you were wearing? How long did you take to do your makeup? How long did you take to think about where you were going to go today and the people you were going to be around? Because if you thought about it at all, You've already you've already created a version of the, of you that you wanted to see today. With otherwise, it wouldn't matter. You'd just be whatever's fucking clean. I didn't go out in a load of purple stuff. No, <laughs> not, eh? You know, people. Think, oh, I, I don't act any differently, really, because when you're at home, you're in that really old t-shirt and jogging buttons, right? Uh, I know. I tend to stay in whatever I happen to wear for my stream, but I just yeah. don't get changed. But, but um, yeah, no, I'll wear, I'll wear, I will wear some slack. But the thing is, actually, the the one, the thing I say to um to my stream actually that is different, is, but you couldn't do this in, in a stream situation. I I have very long periods of being quiet at home. People find this very hard to, and, and I'm I'm also again I'm all I can also be very very antisocial at times. Mm. It's um. And that is, this is down to the whole fact that I'm probably, a, I'm probably an introvert masquerading as an extrovert because I like, I'm hyperactive. I have bipolar disorder. It's like, I, I, I get excited about things. In fact, if we were to say, if we were to judge, if I was to try and judge how I possibly appear different to you in face to face, it could, I would say I was much more hyper when I was there than any time I've ever let myself get to on stream. Cause I don't, I don't mask and stop my bipolar from showing, but I have to kind of stop it before it gets to the point at which I'm not really making sense or i'm not really because otherwise it's like that's, that's a weird place to do that in the stream isn't it and i didn't mask that at all plus i was a combination of strong beer second dose of vaccine same day but i was not well i was so not well after that I, I, i'm so I'm, I'm i'm not glad i left when i left because i actually wanted to spend more time with you and papa pause however I'm, hey, I'm, I'm i'll be back up in uh, up your way soon don't you worry Cool. Um, and I really, I really wanted to spend some more time to some more time with all, well, all three of you, because I've not met perfect art before that day, but it was, uh, it was good to kind of good to get to know him as well. And I was really enjoying myself. And I was, and the, and the fact that I'd had a few drinks, I was probably very eager to stick around for a bit, but the whole, the, the, the you're not supposed to drink the day you have the vaccine. And I can understand why now, because I got um, I also did, um, but I worked out before I went for it, uh, but I did work out after the first dose. So yeah. And um, it didn't affect me the first time around, but the second dose, I was bad for days, but I just, I got home and I basically sat on the couch and then I was just, I completely and utterly just zoned out. And it was like, but but yeah, I don't know how I got onto this sidetrack talking about different being different. I think I, I think if I look back on that night, and this is one of the things that I think gave me my social anxiety in the past, is that I let I roll with the the momentum and the excitement too much. If I'm really I'm I'm going out for one of my friends' 40th tonight, and I, you know it's what you know I love him to bits, so I know that actually I'll start get when, by the second that we have like a couple of drinks and then there's wine pairings with dinner and all the rest of that, I I will be. 10 times i will probably present 10 times more drunk than i actually am because i'm just excited to be there 
And um, and people used to say that on nights out with me, like, what are you on? And I was like, you know, this is before I started. I went through my period of doing drugs and they'll be like, nothing. I'm on bipolar disorder. <laughs> and, but that I, in social arrangement, in social situations, I find it really hard to keep a lid on it. And I was at my mum's 69th birthday party on Saturday night. Yes, jokes were made, mostly by me. Um, and I was around what I can only describe as a bunch of 60 to 70 year old Tories. <laughs> so, so um, me. Hardly in Tories, fucking hell. Well, no, um, she, she doesn't live in Liverpool. Uh, she, lives in, <laughs> she, lives, she lives closer to Blackpool, which again, you'd think Blackpool Tories, but in the posh area outside of Blackpool. Um, so yes, um, so they were very interesting, and they were making all sorts of comments about my life choices, i.e., having things like tattoos, and making some interesting comments about the fact that my wife is Eastern European. Oh. Nothing, you know, nothing directly xenophobic, just, just, just subtle, just a little bit low key. And this yeah. was, but the thing is, I was, I was drinking alone. I was driving. And I was perfectly delightful. And the sun that my mum had told everybody I was towards, you know, the start of the day. But I started feeling like when when we, um, you know, when we did a, we did a quiz and, I, and my team were winning, obviously. Um, and then my, one of my answers was contested. And I started getting quite, quite. The, what was the question? The question was, what is the only move in chess where two pieces can move at the same time? Well, it's castling. Yes. Well, I wrote my answer that I'd written on the piece of paper was castle. Yeah. I, I, I would have let that go. And I'm very pedantic about. Yeah. Well, hey, well I'll go also, I know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> don't ask me why this was what came out of me. And I said, I said, like, I said, look, they were like, they were like, no, you've put castle here and not castling. And I'm like, yes, castling awesome. to castle, wanking to wank. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I didn't. I don't know, I didn't go with walking and to walk, but obviously this is where my brain goes in front of my mum and Hall of Air. I would completely agree with you. It's to castle or ca you are castling, but you do. It's to castle. So yeah. I would. I, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that was. And anyway, um, <laughs> my mum was like, my mum was the quiz master, which obviously everyone was calling favoritism on. But still, she was like, because um, she agreed with them because I didn't get it right phonetically. And then when I explained that, she's like, well, it's not the, the nicest example I would have liked you to use. But, <laughs> but, um, but I do agree that you're, uh, you know, she didn't say etymology or whatever. She's like, oh, um, no, that's not even the right word, is it? Or is it? Yeah, anyway. So yeah, she, so she agreed and gave, the, and gave the point to me. Etymology. And, but, um, but yeah, it was, um, but I, by that point, I was like, oh, I can feel where this is going. And this is the masking that I had to do. I was much more well socialized as a kid. But the thing is, the, I'm great. But the, if I was, that was to happen around the two friends that I'm out with tonight and Alona, literally, they fully know that I can go there and they know that I can be an absolute weapon, whether I've had a few drinks or whether I'm completely sober. And it's not being a weapon. I'm just, I'm just rolling with my with, with mania. You know, I've got I've got mania going on and those environments can really bring that out in me. And once it gets to a certain momentum, it's very, very difficult for me to write to rein it in. And at big gatherings in the past, um, especially ones that my mum puts on, because my mum, my mum likes to put on like big gatherings as long as they're at her house and she can control it. <laughs> well, she can control it by having people in the house. She, can't control what actually happens but um but she likes to do it she won't go to a big party but she likes hosting a big party see it's, it's the thing if because if you because most people's assumption of myself for instance at a party would be i you know i'll be the one i am the one in the corner not talking to anyone 
I do not want to be there. I don't go clubbing. I've never liked clubbing. I remember the last time I went to a club was a friend of mine um, had won uh, as president of student union. This is actually a few years ago now. Um, and I went to the club and I sat there. I just sat there doing nothing. I occasionally had a drink and I was just watching people. I fucking hated it. But again, it's that present you presenting in a different way because everyone else would have thought, oh, well, yeah, up for the challenge. Adam, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, he's going to he's going to go for a drink. Well, he's always he's always like loud and everything in the pub and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. And so you change depending on what you're near. And everyone does. Yes. Everyone yeah. does. Because you 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 are you are different to your around your parents. And you, I mean, how many people go go back to um, hang out with their friends from university and suddenly they're 19, 18 again? Yeah. Every everyone does that. You you go back. I mean, I do it now. I mean, it's, Adam, and it's enjoyable. Caro, Dave, <laughs> anyone out there? Like last time I was with them, we started just we started arguing exactly the same way, in a, in a jokey way, as we would have done when we were eighteen and nineteen, and we were in our fucking thirties, and we were still <laughs> acting the same way of like, you know, it, it was that it was that jokey kind of you fat bastard. It was that kind of that kind of mentality of like a, a teenager's mentality in our in our early to mid thirties, and it's like because it's. Because that's the that's what you presented when you were more around them. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's like okay, would anybody ever like if you don't think you're different around different people? In that case, and especially if you're a streamer and you know, everything's public and all the rest of it, and you're exactly how you are in that situation, would you like? Would you be okay and not worried in the slightest if your entire WhatsApp record was to be suddenly become public and readable on the internet? <laughs> because there are jokes that you make with some of your friends that you would never make in front of others, and it's like you understand who's in the room. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're we're all we're all really good at that without realizing that we're really good at it. I think it's not it's like it takes it takes certain people to sit down and actually say, oh, actually, yeah, I did do that, which is why normally like I that whole wanking to wank thing historically that had never come out in that type of environment because in my head I'm you know around my mom it's the same as um you know my kids have heard me swear 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 and the, my kids have heard me swear more swear no I went a bit <laughs> Boston or something swear like this kid's swearing everywhere um but um, but um my kids have heard me swear more are like in the year and a bit that I've been on Twitch, then they heard me in the 16 years before that, you know, the 15, 15 years before that. Cause I don't, I like, I've, I, my brain switches into the kids are in the room. I don't swear. So even now, if I find myself, cause of, cause it's not more normalized, cause they hear me saying it in front on, on Twitch and stuff. Even now, if I swear in front of the kids, it feels odd because, because I tried my best to not, I don't have a problem with swearing. I've not heard my kids swear, like maybe each of them once or twice when they were about 12. Um, but I've not heard them swear. Like, and as a result, it's not, and I'm like, and even if I say to them, just swear with your friends, they're just like, don't know, like, I'm like, do you though? They're like, maybe. And I'm like, I don't mind if you do, you know, like I don't, I'm, as we know, I brought up that I, I asked that room full of teachers, like whoever hired me, don't be listening to this. Um, I asked that room full of teachers while there was no one, none of the supervisors there today. I'm like, does any of you mind me swearing? And they're like, literally, they were all just like, no. And I'm like, right. So I brought up the, the, the conversation that you and I often have about the fact that if someone comes in and says, I'm so fucking depressed and you focus on the word fucking and not the word depressed, that's a you problem. <laughs> dangerous minds. When you talk about teachers, definitely dangerous minds. Do you remember that film? Yeah, I, I remember it, but I don't remember anything spe- a specific reference. From right. It. So in, in Dangerous Minds, there's a bit where um, the the guy in charge, the, the principal of the school is 
up himself, you know, pen pusher. And if you don't knock when you enter his room, that's it. You know, you go back out and knock. And there was one, there was one kid, um, Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, character was teaching these kids and teaching them to be better, basically. And this one kid who was in a gang, someone was trying to kill him and, you know, he'd been to prison, it was proper, you know, like that, had just rushed into the headmaster's office to tell him and he'd sent him back out again because he didn't knock. And later that day he was shot and killed. Because he didn't come back in. Yeah. yeah because he just yeah. went, well, fuck you. You know, that yeah. the response was you didn't knock, which is exactly the same as you swore. It's, it's exactly the same response. It's exactly the same pompous bullshit when actually just listen. Deal with the other shit when it's appropriate. But right now, that person bursting into your office or that person throwing everything at you is the same. It's them not... You, you don't pay attention to social cues when you're about to kill yourself or you're about to, you know, have a massive argument with someone. You don't... You, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't have those social cues. You just don't. Yeah, and yeah. So, I mean, it's so weird, especially when we talk about it in terms of online mental health, that we talk about social cues at all because social cues are different depending on what fucking country you're in. Yep. Think about the obvious one, the word cunt. In Australia, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, it is more seen as a, um, a term of endearment, unless it is specifically said with a tone, it yeah. is far more as a term of endearment than it is as an insult. You can tell when someone uses it as an insult, but most of the time it's de describing your friend. However, in America, there is no term of endearment. It is straight up an insult. And yet, we can use it in different ways. We're, we are separate. We are two countries separated by the same language. So our social cues, depending on what country you're in, can differ. But yet we have one way of thinking about it online. No, that's not. Oh, yeah. And, we, and usually that's the American way because they speak the loudest. Sorry, Americans. I mean, not, they, not, not, not if I'm in the room, but yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I think, I think um, like you've talked about this before, that the, that the term even people of colour doesn't, doesn't land the same way in the UK as it does. No, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. So in, in the 90s, people of colour and coloured people would have been the same term in the 90s and that is the most fucking horrendous people of color is is sounds to my ears and to my parents who had this knocked out of them in the 80s and 90s so horrendous in in england and even some of my friends who are um ethnic minority it sounds to them fucking horrendous i mean there was a there was one where um it was oh god um oh what's his name he played heimdall in um in avengers Oh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Someone tried to correct. I think it was his a friend of his, and said that you should address him as African American until someone pointed out he's not fucking American. You yeah. moronic twat. He's English. Yeah. He's born and bred in Peckham. I think it was like it. We can't just associate everything by one cultural thing. Well, it's the the the, the current version is is. BIPOC, isn't it? B-I-P-O-C in, in America, which is, is a black and indigenous piece of people of colour, yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously the variation in the UK, is, but it's not, not the same at all as B-A-M-E. And it's like, and the thing is, if you don't use that phrase online as an English person where it doesn't mean anything in your country, because we don't actually have indigenous people of colour, um, well, I think they're called gingers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, second century, we had the first, um, around Wales, we had the first um, people, uh, black people coming in here with the Roman Roman battalions. But yeah, exactly the same. And so you'd call someone black. That's yeah. what you'd say in England. And yet in America, it's not that. But it's the same with so many different things. I'm thinking, for instance, of gay people. In England, it's a type of fucking um, meatball. 
yes the word the f word <laughs> the, one, the one that i won't even say because the american audience will hear it but it's like well, fuck it, i will it's called a faggot that's what it's called <laughs> that is what it's fucking called in fact i will at this point if you look above me you will see the product <laughs> you better remember to edit that in yeah it is a product in the uk and although I've spoken to people since that said they have heard it as a, um, an insult, all of them also had the caveat that heard it an insult after speaking to Americans. I have never, during the 80s, 90s, 2000s, I never heard it used as an insult. It was also, a, as, um, it was also a shorthand term for a cigarette. It still is for a lot of people. Well, still, yeah, yeah still is. Yeah, it's, it's you, know, it, you know, you'd have twos up on, on whatever. You know, that's how you spoke about it. In, and I, was, I lived in the Midlands when I was about 15 and stuff. And, and that, you know, someone saying you're gay was still an insult back then. I mean, it is now, but back then it was far more of stuff. I just say thanks when people say that now, because like, I'm like, oh, wow, you think I'm a... <laughs> I'm really happy, cool. I'm very, yeah, I'm really happy. Um, or... <laughs> but that, that's the thing is that we, do, we don't do it like that. It's like, um, I've had arguments with, with people about different ways of saying things. It's always funny because they're immediate, and this goes back to a point we made earlier about um, people not looking at nuance, because the immediate response was just to um, just go, oh, well, you, you're wrong and I don't want to associate with you anymore about something. And it could have been something in mental health that I suffered from as well. But of course, no, you're not the exact same as me. Therefore, you must be wrong and you must not have this. Because if you're thinking that that's the case, then you must not have this or you must not be this. You know, and it's bullshit. It's, it's completely bullshit. We, we don't, we, we only look at it according to one cultural bias. And that's why I had, um, I've had issue with talking to people about, um, about things when it comes to mental health, because you can't instill one cultural bias. Because no. if you do, you're fucked. I have one of one of also if you try and instill one cultural bias when you're trying to talk about diversity and equality, it is literally kind of an oxymoron. It's like you are trying to say, okay, we expect we understand diversity and we understand all of this, but this is the way we do diversity and this is the only way we do diversity. Yeah, when when you only have one way of doing something that's meant to be diverse, it's somewhat amusing. Yeah. Um, I mean, even somebody in my, in my community, their father is Jamaican, their mother is from Yorkshire. You know, <laughs> that is pretty culturally diverse. I mean, but you know, if I just if we just talked to to her about, um, uh, you know, this is how things have got to be, because you're you you live in England and therefore you have to. No. <laughs> you can't do that because that's not the way someone's brought up even even for me okay and i know there's some people go well it's not cultural difference but it fucking is my father is from yorkshire my mother is from west sussex and i was born in west sussex that's a lot of cultural difference <laughs> there is a massive cultural difference between kent and west sussex and they're fucking next to each other so the idea you know the idea that you you can only look at one term in terms of one culture and then you specify that one culture as a certain thing it just doesn't make sense. It never made sense. And then we ascribe it to all mental health. And that's why I have massive issue with any, that's why I have big problems with um, the whole positivity, as well as I hate positivity culture, but it's, I hate the idea of positivity because it's always um, something that's seen as good by a certain, um, a certain culture. And it's this, this is why I think I got some popularity on Twitch when I was associating with other uh, Americans when we talk about mental health, because I would be there going, that sounds like the worst fucking thing in the world you could ever do in England. Like little things that would like, if you said that in England, you, no one would listen to you. No one would want to interact with you. You'd be seen as a complete fucking idiot because we, we can't see it like that. The way that people, even in, and especially in terms of mental health. So in, in America, if you're, if you're in America and you say that you have a therapist, completely normal. Of course, yeah. 
they have a therapist over here. Were you fucking crazy? Mm. (laughs) Who in England feels that they can say that they have a therapist? Not that they go to therapy, that they have a therapist. You know, if you say you go to therapy, oh, oh, I don't know about that stuff. But you might kind of accept it. But if you say you have a therapist, oh, you're, you're, you're immediately crazy, depending, especially depending on where you are in the UK. Maybe in London, you'd get away with it. But if you're in fucking Blackburn and someone goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the therapist. You're a fucking therapist. Just have a pint, you silly cunt. You know, that's how you'd <laughs> respond. So when we... Well, got- which we are, but we're changing that. But, um, changing but I always found that, I've always found that fascinating with, with watching American shows growing up because people, the two, one that, the two that they'd say a lot is my therapist says this and it's like, they're just in therapy and you're like, well, this person doesn't really seem and to have anything wrong with them. First yeah, of all, exactly. proactive therapy, I'm on board with. Yeah. Um, but that- the, other thing, the other thing that they were always like, well, my lawyer... It's like you've waited. You, yeah, you need legal advice yeah. so often <laughs> that you have a dedicated lawyer, like that you have someone on a retainer or whatever it might be. And I'm just like, why don't you just, why don't you just not get into trouble? Which actually Americans, I suppose, uh, do take that standpoint when they when they kind of when um when they validate things like stop and search. <laughs> like conservative Americans are like, well, if you've not got anything to hide, then what is what's exactly is the problem? And I'm like, well, if you've not got anything to hide, why the hell have you got a lawyer? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's a weird thing. And again, that is the exact reason that you can't talk the same on things in mental health. Because if you have those two completely opposite ways of thinking, then you can't talk, because you could talk about certain things of being as a norm because you know someone has a therapist or you know that it's a norm, so you can talk about it. Whereas if you said it to a, an audience in the UK, they'd be like, well, what? Well, who am I going to say that to? Who am I going to talk to? If I get, what, Dave down the pub? Fuck off. You know, that's, that's how the response would be. So you just can't do it. I mean, the same response goes the other way in terms of medical care, for instance. You know, if we needed to get an ambulance, well, an ambulance costs about $2,000 to get into an ambulance in the US. So even just talking about that, you'd be like, I, I remember there was, there was a quote somewhere from someone on YouTube saying, um, People shouldn't think that ambulances are taxes to the to the hospital. And they're going. That's exactly what they fucking are. What, what else do you think they are? That's literally what they are. They are they are they're a taxi with medical care. That's what they fuck. That's what they're for. Um, but that again, medical care, general medical care. You can't talk about that against America. And it's it's so, it's so diverse, completely different for everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's when we talk about you know if we throw in Norway, Finland, Iceland. And if we when people go, oh, well, Europe thinks this way. Oh, really? OK, well, let's have Hungary, <laughs> Hungary and Poland on one side, UK and France on another side. Um, then let's throw in Azerbaijan and Albania. Oh, and then we're going to throw in all the Nordic countries and see if any of us agree on fucking anything. Apart from capitalism being the basis of our countries, which is also why I have fun when, I, when people go capitalism is bad or good in whichever direction, because I'm going, OK, Tell me where any of those capitalist ideals actually link up between any of those fucking countries. Because people in America, for instance, or people in certain very strong capitalist nations think that Finland is socialist. <laughs> and if you spoke to anyone there, they would be like, of course not. I want money. You know, <laughs> so you can't just have this. Oh, well, it's that. It's that. It's why I also hate the DSM and all those um, those you know diagnostical um books that just go oh you fit this 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 and this therefore that's a big tick yes you're you're suffering from this okay but who made that book oh it's people that it's people that do not have neurodivergence for a fucking start you've decided what neurodivergence is 
without having neurodivergence. And even if you did have neurodivergence, you've decided on what other people with neurodivergence have because of what you have. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's why it's a problem. Anyway, I think we've gone into about 50 minutes. I was going to say, if you've got this far. So, <laughs> yes, then, and, and I've, I've, I still have my marathon medals on the desk here. It's like, <laughs> I'll send them to you. I won't. Don't actually take That's not literal. It's a joke. I, I love my medals. Oh, never go on eBay and see how much they can sell for. Fucking hell. Is it a lot? Um, a, apparently, a, a, a marathon medal from this year from London Marathon, I saw one up for £5,000. Oh, cheapest. wow. The cheapest I saw it for was two hundred pounds. I'm like, ah, what the fuck? No, but nah. yeah, I've, I like them. They've got I've, mine. Have, mine have got me name and me time on the back of them. So I'll never, <laughs> I never put them names on. I just put them on. I, I say I never put my names on them as if I don't do something with them. They're all right in front of me um, <laughs> <laughs> on the wall. Like mine are just here in case I feel like wearing them. You know, <laughs> mine will display just for me. Yes. Anyway, um. I think we've probably come to a conclusion. I think um, most people that are watching this have um, probably left after about five minutes. But, you know, thank you for joining us. And if there is anybody still in here, probably people like Lydia and Lindsay who wanted to keep hearing us talk. You hear their names bloody again. legends. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for everyone that's joined us. Thank you, Dave, for, for joining me again. And um, we'll be here next week. I'm not too sure who with because my recording dates with certain people have changed. But I'm thinking... Next week, it will be with the guys from Untapped Keg. So if you see, saw me on their podcast, I'm going to be talking to the guys from Untapped Keg, um, and that's going to be talking about sobriety, alcoholism, and things like that. So do join me again next time. Thank you, everyone, now, and thank you, Dave, and we'll see you later. Cheers, everyone. Bye.